You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 80, we're discussing Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm one of your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And swinging into action, I'm Sanjay. And this episode is also part of our Nerd Room MCU retrospective series. This is our big look back into the MCU. We're doing monthly reviews of each movie building into a weekend of release review of Avengers Infinity War and Homecoming is a little bit out of order but we want to hit this on the weekend of release for a review so we're kind of slotting this in between Captain America the first Avenger and the Avengers which is somewhat appropriate I think with this movie and with that gentlemen welcome back to the retrospective table I am genuinely (laughs) excited thrilled to discuss more Marvel especially this movie this is a very surprising movie for me It's something that I went into not really anticipating that much. I was kind of on that, yes, I'm pumped for this. I'm psyched. I want to see Spider-Man in the MCU. But I'm also sitting there thinking, ah, this is kind of the third time I've seen Spider-Man hit theaters. And I wasn't super stoked relative to Guardians and maybe Logan and even Thor Ragnarok, which I have sitting up pretty high. Preach, brother. (laughs) (laughs) What were you guys feeling going into this? I know we discussed quite a bit on our prelude episode back in episode number 78, but let's just re-gauge our thoughts here as going into the theaters, that weekend hype, we've got the crowd sitting there with us, we've got everything going on around us. How were you feeling going into this? Well, I'll start because I wasn't here last time. (laughs) I saw a lot of red flags coming into this movie. As Tim mentioned, you know, third iteration of Spider-Man, Loved the first two, third one didn't like, the fourth one I thought was okay, and the fifth one didn't like as well. Then you see that there's about six screenwriters on this, and you're thinking, wow, okay, another red flag, like, that's kind of odd. Then you see Sony attached to it, and you're like, yep, third red flag, (laughs) like, three strikes and you're out. But luckily, I also saw that Marvel brand attached to it, and I was like, all right, let's see. So, you know, um, coming into it, a little bit scared, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, how about you, Troy? Oh, I was pumped. I was pumped. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. I was pumped all day. Yeah, no. Um, Spider-Man 1 was awesome. Spider-Man 2 was great. 3 sucked. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man was awesome. And Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 wasn't so good. So Sony's track record isn't really that bad compared to the, the Fox universe. Yeah. So And then, you know, with the backing of Kevin Feige and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then seeing Civil War, I was totally on board to see this movie. And, you know, I read Spider-Man like three times a month. So <laughs> I was sold. you talk about sony being involved in this and they have been involved with this since the start this this really evolved out of the 2014 sony hacks and this revealed that they were talking with marvel about potentially having avengers tower and the amazing spider-man that all fell through but eventually in 2015 sony and marvel signed this deal to have spider-man appear in mcu films as well as release some of the creative control to marvel studios to produce a Spider-Man solo film as well. Well, Sony had the ability to rake in all the cash from this, Marvel ended up with the toy rights as well as integrating this into the larger MCU. Personally, when I see this, the start of the film, we've got a Sony and Columbia flash up of their title cards. Well, and- if you see that, me and Troy did not see that at the beginning oh, of our you guys film. Had an experience. Yeah. Eh? So, sorry to interrupt, but uh, so we're sitting there in the theater 
And first off, they play the trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> and we look at Come each on. other like, uh, we're going to see this movie. Like, could you not spoil it for us? But we're like, all right, that's kind of weird, but whatever, right? And then we see TriStar's logo pop up at the beginning of the movie. And I was like, I thought this was like Sony. Like, what's going on here? Then I see we're back in the Dark Ages and it's uh, King Arthur, his knights fighting. And I was like, you know, I may be mistaken here, but I'm pretty sure this isn't Spider-Man The Last Night. Like, something's amiss. Everyone in the theater's freaking out. People behind us are like, yo, is this Spider-Man? Like, I would have lost my mind. Oh, I was like, did we pay to see Transformers? <laughs> it was the worst feeling in the world because I was yeah. like, because I invited, you know, I got the courage to finally ask Troy out for homecoming <laughs> and I really wanted to impress them. And, you know, I was so worried that I bought the wrong tickets and we had gone to see Transformers instead of Spider-Man. And I was all worried, like, oh, I should tell the usher or something. But thankfully, they corrected it and they finally restarted the movie and we got a free movie out of it. So nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a little dicey at the beginning for us. So you guys didn't see the Sony and Columbia. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, they were there. And so was the Marvel logo. And when you look back at this movie and you look back at the Marvel logo at the start that was about a minute long compared to Sony and Columbia's little flash up, (laughs) this movie to me had zero fingerprints of Sony on it. This was all Marvel. I did not see a single decision in here that was made by Sony, as far as I'm concerned. Did you guys see anything like that in here? Because... I think Sony is part of this and Sony's making the money. Sony did not do a thing on this as far as I can see. <laughs> Which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the reason we got the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really see too much except for the fact that we did kind of see um, a shot from 70s first Spider-Man with the classic MJ, you know, upside down kiss. They kind of had a little tug at that scene really? a little bit. But I think that's just a nod. Yeah, the elevator scene where oh, Spider-Man yeah. saves Liz. But I, I think that's just a nod, right? Yeah. No, nothing really major, so... Who knows? Well, I that's think coming Abby out of Spider-Man anyway. too, right? Yeah, like yeah. that—that's of course they're gonna nod to exactly. that. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of beat up Sony here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because their last iterations I wasn't a fan yeah. of. But they, yeah. they did really kick off this whole superhero comic book franchise type thing. Like the, oh, the yeah. respect that came out of Sam Raimi's iterations of Spider-Man's is really what launched this whole comic book universe that we have now. I think in the absence of that, we don't get Spider-Man Homecoming. No. We don't get really the MCU. We may get bits and pieces of it, but not really because without the critical and financial success of Spider-Man 1, which was one of the first movies to go over $100 million, like none of this exists really. That's right. It at least it's like, uh, produced on those two, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look at the box office gross of Spider-Man 1, it's over $400 million. And that's without 3D, and that's without IMAX, I believe, and that's uh, way cheaper ticket prices. 2002. I mean, that's crazy. 15 years ago. $400 million. Like, that's more than... That's the highest grossing superhero origin film of all time. Domestically? Uh, yeah, domestically. Next yeah. to Aquaman. Oh, just just Entourage. you wait. Well, you you never know because uh, Wonder Woman may pass it. There's some talk of her passing it, but uh, yeah. yeah. I did For not moment, realize that. that. Yeah, I'm just looking at the numbers here. I did not realize that it outgrows Iron Man 3. Yeah. It outgrows Civil War. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for what, 15? No, sorry. It's $5 million, No, Civil War is $5 million more Still. than Spider-Man 1. That is, I did not realize that. That's <laughs> absolutely incredible. A juggernaut. I mean, as you said, without Spider-Man 1 nothing comes after spider-man one is that inflection point in cinematic history where they started taking superheroes 
uh, serious again and they're like wow we can make a ton of money with this and that's when you got everybody else making superhero films because of spider-man one but the spider-man one and two i think really showed the world that you can make a quality superhero movie yeah this can be a movie that you can take your family to this can movie you can enjoy by yourself and they built a universe right there's they're starting to build up things that jay jonah and the, the villains that they're putting into this yep. they're stretching through norman osborne and harry osborne so they're really building something here and this isn't kind of something that we had seen before from a comic book universe yeah we did have batman and we're mm -hmm. hot and cold with that and the superhero movie world wasn't what it was until really the early 2000s with spider-man and x-men and so i give a lot of credit to those first iterations of spider-man because like i said we ain't getting Spider-Man Homecoming in the absence of Spider-Man. Right. Very true. Very yeah. true. And going into this, you know, we all seem to have varying experiences. <laughs> but overall, for me, the crowd was stoked. Everyone was pumped to be in there. Everyone knew what was going on. Everyone's so ingrained now in the MCU. The guys beside me were talking. They're talking about, oh, the Avengers this, remember Civil War. And everyone's getting stoked up for the film even before the first trailer rolls. And that just gets me that much more hyped up for this. I was super excited once I sat down in the theaters. And so was really everyone else because critically, this thing crushed it. It's 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, certified yeah. fresh. Fans and critics alike are praising this. Not only the movie itself, but the portrayal of by Tom Holland. Ned is fantastic in this. The villain is getting some praise as well. And mm -hmm. you hear that from me as well. Yeah. I think he escapes this one-dimensional Marvel villain problem. Yeah. And like I, I can't believe how much fun I actually had in this movie when I sat down and watched it. This is the most fun I've had in a movie since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Wow. I mean, you bring up an interesting point with uh, its Rotten Tomato score at 93%. Uh, I looked it up. That's number two in the MCU, only behind Iron Man 1. So, I mean, that's more than Avengers. That's more than Civil War. That's more than Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, this thing, you talk about, like, the MCU has had success after success after success and for this to be number two all time for Rotten Tomatoes that's that's impressive well once we get to the end of this review I think that's something that we're gonna come back to because I'd like to hear your guys thoughts on where this lies because this is such a different movie from what they've done before this is going back to a teenager the roots of Spider-Man while integrating so much from the universe without weighing down the film I think that's where this movie really excels is it takes the important points out of Avengers Civil War even Age of Ultron a bit and launches this movie into its complete own universe i never felt once that this movie was like oh hey remember the avengers thing and i was just like where did that come right. from <laughs> this yeah. is so organic and i absolutely love that and the people and the guys around me it got a bit annoying yeah. but every like it was just like hey remember look at that hey look at that yeah. hey it's avengers hey this this so good wow so well done yeah speaking from the box office perspective yeah this thing we talked about critically it killed it Financially, it killed it as well. This thing pulled in $117 million in its opening weekend. Where did I hear that number before? I think you may have heard that on episode number 78, Now, Tim, do you have a time machine? I, I, I do. <laughs> and the benefit of that time machine <laughs> is that we don't need one because I can just go play the episode. But we had a, a little bit of a listen to our Spider-Man prelude episode that we recorded at Alpha Comics yeah. with Chris. Go check that one out. But we do tend to and have in the past made little <laughs> wagers on box office predictions. Yeah. And I do have a horrendous track record of making <laughs> predictions. But on this particular movie, I seem to zone in a bit better because Troy pegged it at 145 million. Yeah. Very ambitious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chris pegged it at 135 million. 
And most of industry was pegging around 90 million. I took a shot and said, it's going to be $117 million. I was $27,000 short. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of money to be short, Tim. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> but it fits into the closest two without going over. <laughs> oh, man, wouldn't it have been funny if it made like 16, or $116 million and then Tim went over by like $1 or something? <laughs> well, that's why I went back to the episode because I was like, I want to make sure. Or sorry, uh. That's why I went back to Box Office Mojo right before we recorded because sometimes they adjust them on the yeah. Tuesday when they get the actual final numbers. I was yeah. like, yeah. please don't go on ahead and search. But, the, but <laughs> even though my success here, let's focus <laughs> in on Homecoming success because that is the second highest opening for a Spider-Man film. Wow. Falling only short to the 151 from Spider-Man 3. And that was a conclusion to the Raimi trilogy. We were promised a black suit. We were promised Venom in this. This was supposed to be a massively good movie. Turned out <laughs> not as good as the others. No. But I think even more impressive than that is that Homecoming is now the highest grossing first entry solo film in the MCU at $117 million. Wow. Topping out Iron Man, which came in with $98 million back in 2008. Impressive. Guardians of the Galaxy 94 and the latest entry in Doctor Strange at $85 million. So this far exceeded all of those other movies. I think that really says something about how well received this film is and what Marvel really has planned for Spider-Man going forward. This success really helps the idea that he is going to be the pillar or one of the pillars for phase four. Kevin Feige recently stated that coming out of Avengers 4, everything's going to look very, very different, but Spider-Man is what's going to carry the narrative forward. It's going to be the first movie off the back end of Avengers 4 in 2019, with Infinity War coming out in May, Spider-Man 2 coming out in July. This is going to be wow. a massive franchise, and kicking it off in this fashion, both critically and financially, only speaks volumes for what they can do in the future. How many movies is Tom Holland signed for? Because it seems like he's going to be like a centerpiece. And Spider-Man, the character, is by far, I think, the most famous Marvel character out there. Well, he's most recognizable for sure. For sure. He's been around since 1962. You look at the toys. You look at how many iterations of movies he's even gotten. Yeah. Like as much as Batman. So he's recognizable on that same level. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. Like people know Spider-Man even outside of comic books and all yeah. that. He has just been a staple in TV and film and books and comic books in toy collecting yeah. whatever for decades oh yeah and i think it's the right move even though they're not making the box office money here it's going to pay dividends in infinity war and yeah. what they have coming after what they're able to set up in these films and launch pad potentially other heroes into other movies right. yeah so there's a lot they can do here in the absence of getting this box office gross such as the Venom movie, right? Yeah. Because now you're serving the MCU and you're also serving the Sony universe, right? So is that part? Like, what's going on there? Is MCU, Venom movie, Sinister Six, is that part of the MCU or is yeah. that not? I believe it's treated just like the Netflix universe, what the Netflix and what the ABC-verse is to the MCU. So they're in the same universe, but... Kind of. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's like I don't want to say a pocket universe, but it's like the same series same continuity as you will basically just like the netflix oh, okay. but you're never going to see those characters cross paths so yeah. you're not going to see you're not going to hear tony stark mention venom no and right? i think no. if they're really going to set anything up they may have teased it a bit here but i think we have to wait until after avengers infinity war yeah so we had spoke a couple weeks ago about the potential for venom to be teased there being that we have this cosmic origin of our villain we've got potentially an invasion of earth and all this this is a great way to see something very small for venom mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. that, that would be interesting. But I I, th I agree with you. It's kind of up in the air right now, I think. Yeah. I think with the success of this, Amy Pascal over at Sony might be like, you know what? 
maybe we just will let Marvel do their thing yeah. for now. And yeah. we'll just sit here and rake in the cash. We'll front the money for it, but we'll also reap the benefits. Yeah. And not have to really make any of the decisions. Realistically, if this movie had failed, that would have went on Feige's head. That yeah. wouldn't have fell back on Sony. They yeah. still would have made the money and cleared their... Like, this movie only cost $175 million to make. So it's going to clear its... I mean, what it already did in worldwide, it cleared $250 million. Yeah. So it's made back its budget. So this thing is, is going to roll through the cash. It's going to do 300 domestically probably. And I think this sets up Spider-Man for an amazing run, pun intended, yeah. <laughs> in the MCU. Yeah. But going back to what you said, I think it's a six-picture deal. Oh, yeah, okay. I think Six, yeah, so. at least. This guy seems enthusiastic about playing Spider-Man. That's Tom oh, yeah. Holland. Yeah. And he's young. He... There's nothing I don't think that they can offer this guy that he's not going to take at this no. point. Uh, he's gonna his career is gonna explode from here, and yeah, he's gonna have these commitments probably every two years. But he seems to love playing the character. Yeah, yeah. And being that he's gonna be the centerpiece, like this guy is gonna be made in the shade. Oh, <laughs> is that a Tim? Uh, you uh, what's it called? A uh, saying? Yeah, made in the shade. Man. Made in the shade. All right, I'm gonna pop it out next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's focus in here on the MCU timeline for Spider-Man: Homecoming. This is something that, because we're doing this retrospective series, we continue to come back to about building continuity here. And this is what the MCU has been all about: is very strict and clear continuity. And that's something that we all love around the table: is making sure that the details are taken care of. And this may, in fact, be one of Marvel's first-ish missteps when it comes to just pure continuity building. They've gotten to the point now with the amount of movies that they have that the actual timing of things as far as a finite number may not be as important as simply a movie coming after another. Right. And when you look back at what was established in Spider-Man Homecoming, we know it starts in 2012 with Avengers. There's a hard timestamp on the Battle of New York from the Netflix series, if the Netflix series are indeed part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that pegs it in May of 2012. Stepping back into the movies that we've reviewed before from Iron Man through to Captain America, that all takes place between 2008-ish and 2011-ish. Okay. So we, we kind of have a hard line there as far as the setup of phase one. And we know from the start of this movie that Adrian Toomes is set up to clean up the Chichari invasion the, from the Battle of New York. And then they pan to eight years later. Right. So that technically would put us in 2020, which doesn't make sense. Because when you look back at what was established in Guardians of the Galaxy, which gives us very finite numbers as far as dates of occurrences of the birth of Peter Quill and what's going on. And we know from James Gunn that that movie took place only a couple months after the original Guardians of the Galaxy, which takes place in 2014. Feige himself has stated that Infinity War takes place four years after Guardians of the Galaxy, which puts it in 2018. So looking at pure finite dates, Homecoming cannot happen after Infinity War, but it has to happen sometime before, and it has to be relative to Civil War, which takes place, again, time-stamped in some of these little short videos that they've put out that are kind of like news station videos in the end of 2016. So when you wrap all that up, there is a big bust in the timeline of this. Why they didn't just do six years or, or line it up, I don't right. know. But we know sequentially the movies come in this order. Right. The dates just don't line up. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because Marvel, you know, it seems like they have their shit together. So they wouldn't let something as simple as this just go by the wayside and not even think about it. I mean, someone must have to watch these movies and make sure everything's in continuity. That's probably someone's job. So either someone missed this or there's a reason for this. And I'm not sure. Um, 
but it does seem like a missed opportunity. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of another franchise's timeline, <laughs> one that Tim loves to dissect. Yeah. Our friends over at Fox there with the X timeline. I mean, you know, that stuff doesn't really add up. You look at Logan and you look at Days of Future Past, you know, you look at those timelines, they don't really quite mesh up. And maybe it's just another thing, you know, where studios are just like, you know what? Screw the timelines. You know, let's just make good movies. But this one is a simple fix. Right. Yeah. You, you can knock two years or three years off Very of... Very strange why they did that. Yeah, because this is just literally what they've thrown up on the screen. Like, it has nothing to do with anything else. Like, like It's not like they've, they've included characters that don't make sense that exist here that don't, which X-Men does. It's, yeah. They haven't gotten a time travel or anything like that. Right. This is just simply a, a text block that goes up on the screen that right. screws up the whole timeline. There, there's some muddling before, but for the most part... Even into from Winter Soldier to Civil War, they say we've been looking for Bucky for two years, 2014 to 16. They've paid attention to this before, so I, I really don't get Wise it. What's up now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if it has to do with something with Spider-Man if they're trying to to make him a certain age to line up with with something else or. I really don't know. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I don't really want to hamper down on this. This is clearly going to be a focus of an article I'm going to write for a website, yeah. <laughs> thenerdroom.net, in the future, because this is going to really bother me now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I really don't know what else I can say. I tried to muddle around with the idea of everything happening in 2010, including the Avengers, but the hard timestamp in 2012 yeah. messes that up. So I can think through this a bit. I'm going to try a loophole somehow because I have a belief that Marvel has a plan for everything and they wouldn't slip up like this. Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of stuff like that, did you see the latest Easter egg from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming that was making his way around Reddit today? No. Have you seen it, Troy? I have no phones. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we just Loser. assumed Troy's showing up here on Tuesday at 7.30. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't talked to him since I saw him I, I on Saturday. I paged him and he didn't work. <laughs> I didn't get the writing in the sky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this way, Troy. <laughs> uh, so it seems like there's a new religion in the MCU. Uh, so there was a little uh, church beside the shawarma stand. I think it was like a shawarma. Or like yep. the convenience store. Yeah. Yep. And it was a Korean writing and it said the Korean Church of Asgard. Really? Yeah, so no it's like a little Easter egg, and it seems like it would make sense that um, in the MCU, people would probably oh, worship yeah. Thor as a god. So. I thought you were going to say the Chitari. Oh. It's like a, like a worshipping aliens type thing. <laughs> it makes sense, though. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I like that. Yeah, and that's one thing about this movie, too, that it's jam-packed. And as oh, we yeah. go through the film and dissect it a bit here, I'm sure we're going to skate over something. There is so much in this film, like to the point where it's almost exploding. Mm -hmm. But like I said at the start here, I never felt that. Did you guys feel that the continuity building here, the origin building, the universe building of Spider-Man, do you feel that weighed down the movie at all like it did in Amazing Spider-Man 2, like it did somewhat in Batman vs. Superman? How'd you get that in there? We almost <laughs> went a whole episode without mentioning Batman I'm, v I'm Superman. I barely gone 20 minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't feel like it did that at all, actually. No, I think everything felt very organic and uh, just such a, a welcoming to the general audience into this new uh, established movie in the MCU. So I didn't feel like they they beat you over the head too much, but it just felt right. Like everything was placed at the right times, right moments. Yeah, major payoffs if you've seen all the movies, though, obviously. Yeah, no, I agree. If you watched all the movies, then you'd get all the Easter eggs and it would make sense and it add something to it and it'd make it that much better. Like the Ultron head in the scene, that was amazing. Um, but it seemed like if you didn't watch any of the previous MCU movies, uh, someone who was just going in and watching this fresh as a one-off may be a little bit lost. I think um, some of the stuff may be kind of confusing. 
but I think that's just kind of the universe they've built where you have to go back and you have to see the previous movies in order to get the next one. It seems like you couldn't really do a standalone film anymore in the MCU. And so if someone who, you know, is just like, I'm just a pure Spider-Man fan and they're like, I'm just going to watch this one Spider-Man movie. I feel like they'd come with, come away with a lot of questions. I mean, maybe it'd force him to go back and rewatch the rest of them, but yeah, what, what are you guys thinking? Do you think anyone could just walk into this film cold and enjoy it? Definitely. Definitely, yeah. I think you could, especially if you are a Spider-Man fan, because this movie didn't really tackle his origin, so any Spider-Man fan, pretty much everybody their dog knows how Spider-Man got his powers, right? I think you could go into this movie, especially the way it opens up with Tom Holland, Tom Holland having um, kind of like the, uh, the, the, the camcorder um, scene going on. It explains his build-up, his connection with these other heroes in this film. And the general story is really, you know, it's between Spider-Man and uh, the Vulture. So I didn't really feel like there was anything that was tied directly to the Avengers or Doctor Strange or the Guardians to be like, what's going on here? Like the little Easter eggs such as like Voltron or Ultron would be like, oh, I don't know what that is. But for the most part, you, you, you basically got the idea of this kid's in high school. Here's the big bad. Just focusing on this. I, I felt like is yeah, pretty, pretty one-dimensional in that sense. Yeah. Personally, I feel like this movie, it's, it's overall narrative you can get going yeah. in. But I think you won't appreciate or genuinely enjoy the film as much as we all did yeah. without the backing of the rest of the MCU, particularly the Avengers, Civil War, and partially Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. I think if you've seen those movies, you get all the references here. And because the movie starts off with aliens and you got the, the tech and all this and how it's built into the movie, it's built into the foundation of it. I think you need those movies because in the absence of seeing those, I just don't think you get the movie. You get the overall progression of the character. Yeah, that he's a young guy struggling being a superhero and balancing his life out, the classic Spider-Man tale. There's mm -hmm. this big guy that's, that's stealing weapons. Yeah, I get all that. But the movie itself really benefits from being integrated, I think. And I think as a real fandom, I'm not sure that we can really expect a individualized siloed off movie anymore especially within the mcu we always want this continuity and we want to see it built up and i don't know why or if we should be asking for a movie that can be watched in isolation i personally don't want that anymore and i don't think we can expect that anymore it's just the nature of the cinematic universe we've talked a lot about this in the past about how this is becoming such a prominent thing in hollywood and because of it yes you get away from having standalone movies standalone trilogies you can't watch any with the exception of maybe Iron Man, you can't watch any of the Avengers MCU franchises back to back to back. It's all about being a sequel to the movie that came before. And this is a sequel to Civil War. Not so much Guardians of the Galaxy, but this is a sequel to Civil War. So all in all, I think you do need those movies to get the pure and whole enjoyment that the director, that the filmmakers, the producers wanted you to get out of this movie. So yeah, Avengers, Civil War, watch them before you see this movie. <laughs> Of course you should. This is what we all want, right? Everybody wanted Spider-Man to be in the MCU in the first oh, place. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 I don't accept the idea of any sort of fandom right now saying, I want a solo individualized movie. Right. If, if you wanted that, go to the Spider-Man movies that we had before. Every, exactly. No one liked what they were doing there, or not a lot of people did. I think now having them integrated here, this is what we want. This is what we're getting. We're so not going to have... Yeah, yeah. We're not going to have a movie anymore outside of maybe Guardians... I think Black Panther is going to have a lot of elements built into it. You look at Ragnarok, it's got Hulk in it. It's going to have references probably to Guardians. So this is what we want in movies. And I don't want a movie that doesn't acknowledge the idea that New York fell apart eight years ago, as they say. And we got Holland web-slinging around New York, never acknowledging it. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. we need to have that. We need to know why the Avengers aren't coming down and fighting the Vulture. Yeah. Where's Tony Stark? Where's the... You know, we we want these answers, and they give them to us in this film. Exactly. But I, I got an example that does actually the opposite of what you're saying is the Wonder Woman film. You can watch that film in isolation. You don't have to watch Man of Steel, BVS, Suicide Squad in order to appreciate Man of, uh, Wonder Woman. And, you know, that's the one thing that kind of sticks out. And it's kind of interesting. Maybe Aquaman will be that way, too. And maybe DC will be more that. And MCU will be more integrated uh, in the future. Because it seems like people really connected to that film. And, you know, I'm not saying that Spider-Man should have been in isolation. Because I think this film is wonderful. And I think they did a wonderful job isolating it. I'm just uh, giving devil's advocate here. Because, you know, Wonder Woman... I don't think there is any need to see any of the previous three films to enjoy that. And if you look at that box office success, it's more than all three of us could have ever imagined. Definitely. I also think with that, though, you can't compare it because that DC Universe, DCEU, is early. They only have, what, four films? Right. MCU has... 16. 16. (laughs) Yeah, four times Right, there you go. So if you were to compare back then, well, then you could say the same thing about Cap, because Cap... That's true. Yeah, Cap was isolated. Exactly, right? So it's it's, it's really early to say with DC. Yeah, but even with Cap, and you can go back and listen to our retrospective series. (laughs) I'm all about plugs today. (laughs) A couple episodes back, we did review Captain America, the first Avenger, which is somewhat appropriate for this film, actually. Yeah. But one of the comments that we made throughout that was a lot of the references in there really served the idea that Captain America came after all of the movies that came before it. So the idea of Howard Stark, the idea of all the stuff with Mjolnir and and Thor and all that, Mm -hmm. that all worked into the script of Captain America and served the overall narrative better than if it was just in isolation. You wouldn't have got all of that without the movies before it. So even Cap, more so than Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. has already integrated a lot of the MCU into that film as far as universe building and actually building up the narrative. Spider-Man Homecoming seems to use a lot of cues from the first Avenger as far as what they're building in. taking the idea here's a MacGuffin from another movie and integrating that into Spider-Man Homecoming here's an origin from another movie that we're integrating into this so I think I see a lot of parallels between those movies even though they're completely different movies but looking at the foundation of the narrative and how they're pulling from the movies that came before I see a lot of parallels there Mm -hmm. and speaking of which let's let's jump into the film here so we're going to go through and do a quite detailed breakdown of Spider-Man Homecoming as we do with the majority of our movie reviews And the one thing that I want to kick it off here with is this incredible cast of characters we have here. This movie stars Tom Holland, Michael Keaton, John Favreau, Zendaya, Donald Glover, Marissa Tomei, and Robert Downey Jr. It's directed by John Watts. Now, that's just a portion of the cast here, the main cast. This is an immensely diverse and talented cast. The chemistry in this film is better than most films I've seen in the MCU, and I would say in a lot of films. This movie worked on so many levels for me. It's just incredible what they're able to do with these young actors. Yeah, everybody brought it. Everybody brought their A game. You know, I feel like I've I've spent like three movies with these characters. Obviously, we have with certain characters because we've had sixteen films <laughs> yeah. of some of these characters. But everyone gelled together, and these felt like real teenagers. Yes, most importantly, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, when they were first talking about this film, a lot of people, I think Kevin Feige, said, you know, this is like a John Hughes mm-hmm. film. Yeah. And I'm like one of the biggest John Hughes fans there is, and I was like no way in hell is this going to be like a John Hughes film. Like, no, they can't capture that magic. Here to tell you, they capture that magic. Yeah, like, they... And that's a huge compliment. I mean, John Hughes is an amazing director. And it feels like sincere, and it feels like what it was like being in high school. And, it, well, not for me, because I wasn't on any of the math teams or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> You're cool. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like, you know, an 80s 
like high school drama or something or you know dramedy like that like or something like from the 90s like 10 things i hate about you it's just club. yeah exactly yeah, like, your, yeah right? exactly yeah totally and i think one thing that i really want to hit on here is the diversity of the cast this is something that's relatively newish to the mcu yeah. mm-hmm. is not only having high school students but also the diversity and we talked about this right after is that the idea that this takes place at a school in new york yeah. this makes sense this is one of the melting pots of the planet right. and you really see that represented here and i think it is a testament to the development of this film and you look at the actors in here like the guy that played ned you got zendaya in here like the girl that played lizzie allen like all of them are so good in this flash flash. like everyone makes sense and it's the nice thing about this is that with the spider-man universe and then building up what is going to be a very large universe in itself they throw in all these references like well gank kind of and, yeah and pretty much flash thompson yeah, and Betty Grant. yes Betty Grant. yeah, Betty Grant. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've got donald glover's character in here which we'll get into and references like that they've spent so much time with little name drops and even the villains in here it's chock full of villains yeah. but you never feel that way you never feel like they're shoving everything down exactly. your throat to build a universe it's just nice nods it's just like this is the continuity that we built in the comic books in 1962 some of it in the ultimate universe and we're just going to slowly build this up they didn't rush anything they just made a movie about peter parker struggling with his superpowers yes and that's what it's all about because with this movie i found i was just as interested in peter parker's life as i was with spider-man i wanted both of them you know i was never like just put on the suit i loved how they juggled the balance between spider-man and peter parker they captured that so well it's the best we've ever had yeah i I agree with you fully there there's never a point where i was like okay i just want to see him web slinging right and then what they did with the web sling in itself, just they, they constantly evolved that. Like we've got five movies before this of him doing all kinds of crazy things yeah. with his web. I felt this movie reinvented every aspect of that. Yes. And even poked fun at the matter when he couldn't web swing. Yes. Yeah, that was right? hilarious. That was, yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that we're getting going into this, this movie that some of us were worried about was revisiting the origin, the line, Ben, all these type of details and the importance of these details in a Spider-Man movie. One thing that they did with this movie, it's an origin movie without an origin, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. There's one or two off references to the creation of Spider-Man or him getting bit by the spider. Do you guys think that was the right way to go? Do you think we should have had more references to Uncle Ben or at least a reflection in Aunt May that she had just lost her husband? There is a mention that she is suffering and she's gone through a lot, but they really don't do any of that sort of continuity building as far as Spider-Man's origin story and what is technically his origin movie. Right. Because he's learning to use his superpowers here still. We see that yes. through this whole film. Yeah, because he's only really been Spider-Man, what, about six months maybe? Yeah, still? maybe that, yeah. So not much, as much as I love to see, you know, Bone Crusher, or is it Bone Saw? Bone yeah. Saw the That wrestler. was amazing. Bone yeah, down. him show up. No, you know, I'm really glad they didn't do that, especially because this leaves so many more windows open of the route they could go with his origin, you know. It would be cool if they really don't even touch on his origin, and they've only already planted the seed of miles being out there mm-hmm. so if they were to touch on peter's origin and then down the road we get miles origin again it kind of be a little annoying so i think the fact that they left that open till one day maybe six films down when miles does get bit by that spider it'll be a little more fresh and we've had so much time away from the last origin stories that that would make more sense but um i'm glad they didn't touch on it the scene between him and Gank, or I want, I'm going to say Gank a lot, but it's it's Ned, but he's a lot like Gank from the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. The scene between those two that Peter kind of, you know, tells him, don't tell anyone about my secret, you know, Aunt May's been through a lot. The weight right there in that scene, you felt like there was a huge importance of what went on. You kind of put things together that she probably lost Ben already. Mm-hmm. Or obviously she did. So I feel like it's good that they went away from that. And plus we've had two films already yeah. beat you over the head with that origin story. 
So yeah, I mean, me. Batman's origin, Superman's origin, Spider-Man's origin. 99% of the general population already knows their origins. The 1% that doesn't know it probably isn't going to this film anyways, let's be honest. And you don't miss the origin, I don't think. Like, no. you get the idea that he has superpowers. You, you get it, yeah. I mean, definitely if they had the origin in there and you didn't know anything about Spider-Man, it would be more impactful. You know, he's doing all this stuff because, you know, he's the reason why Uncle Ben died um but do you get that off of tom holland that that's that he's the reason why uncle ben died because i don't no no he doesn't have this this dark demon inside of him that he is the root cause of the death of his uncle ben his father figure i don't get that off of tom holland's performance i'm not saying that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. it's just not something i really feel so for them to revisit it down the road they're gonna have to be very careful how they construct that because you look at how excited he is to have the powers and when Mm -hmm. he's in civil war and all this like there's a lot there like this doesn't seem like a kid that's gone through a really traumatic experience it's one thing to lose your father figure it's another thing to be responsible yeah. for losing your father mm-hmm. figure but see I, I do feel the responsibility in him even from civil war where he talks to iron man and he explains to him you know like yeah i'm fighting for the little guy like i, I feel like he, he's gone through it but it's just not spider-man to be weighed down and let this dwell over he's okay. kind of learned his lesson already if they go down that route with um the death of gwen stacy that's another lesson learned that's yeah. another story to talk about then <laughs> but i feel like they didn't need to especially because i think a lot of complaints with the amazing spider-man was is a little emo and a little depressing yes i think they right. really want to give you the chatty excited teenaged um mouthy spider-man mm-hmm. and so they just wanted to avoid that at all costs yeah. don't don't get me wrong i think that yeah. not acknowledging it's fine right, mm-hmm. right. And not having it have that sort of depressive feel to it like i yeah. think the spider-man that we got in here was the spider-man we, we needed something uplifting right like right. this yeah. couldn't be i didn't like that whole emo take yeah, like, I, yeah. I get the idea of it like right. sure he's gone through a lot but this iteration of spider-man is fun and that yes. is what this movie is all about it's about having fun exactly and learning some responsibility <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and, and there's a lot more sadness that can happen down the road as he gets older yeah. because spider-man happens to encounter a lot of problems in his life so mm. i'm sure we'll get there eventually but yeah yeah all right well this movie kicks off in 2012, right after the Battle of New York. And we've got Adrian Toomes here, played by Michael Keaton. He is part of the crew that's been hired to clean up New York. This is a question we've been asking since Avengers came up. Who the hell cleaned up New York? <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't Adrian Toomes. No. It was a Tony Stark's U.S. Department of Damage Control. This is a fantastic nod to the Marvel comic book universe. This is the crew that goes in continually to pick up after every single major battle in New York in the comics. <laughs> There's even rumors that this was going to be a TV series at one point in the form of The Office where you had kind of this camera, right, this yeah. like interview style. That, that would have been really cool. But I like that they've integrated it here. It's really awesome to get these continual nods to the wider comic book universe integrated into the MCU. But it's really at this point that we get the origin of our villain, which is something a little different than we've seen in the past. We've talked a lot on the MCU retrospective about villains being born, at least the first villain, being born at the same technology or same background as our hero, so they avoid telling a much larger backstory for a villain. This villain is different on the level that we do get a different origin story. And that is spun directly out of the Battle of New York and him losing this contract. He's no longer able to support his family. He has this rage and vengeance against Tony Stark for taking his job. And he takes that into building 
essentially a weapons factory of stolen alien tech, Ultron tech. There's even mention of some of the dark elf stuff in there. They've scavenged from London. Wow. What do you guys think about Adrian Toomes here, Michael Keaton, the vulture, and how this villain actually gets a backstory as opposed to the majority of some of the other first villains, which aren't really fleshed out characters. Yeah. You know, I really, really liked what they did here. I feel like they learned the lesson from Iron Man 2. This is something they should have done when introducing uh, Whiplash um that that character i feel like you really understood where adrian toons was coming from and you you kind of agreed with his revenge and and how he felt towards uh tony stark and making money off of his own damages right so right off the bat they they had me kind of rooting for this villain in some ways and kind of looking at tony as as, as the bad guy in some ways in this movie so i really like what they did here and it's, it's a lot different than any other villain we've had in the mcu and in the spider-man yeah, he's yeah. somewhat of a sympathetic villain. We get a little bit of that with Zemo in Civil War, but here it's, it's really felt. You feel like this is a family guy that's struggling his way through life and has just hit a bad turn after bad turn. I agree with you. I sympathize with Adrian Toomes here, and I really like how they integrated his origin story into the Avengers. They, they leverage what happened there because this is a huge world global event that's gone on. Of course, there's going to be fallout from this, and one of the falls is the creation of the Vulture yeah. to some degree. Right. I mean, Michael Keaton, he's my boy. Oh, man. He's Batman. <laughs> uh, he's Birdman as well. Yeah. He just likes birds. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. now he's the vulture. So three for three. Um, I, You know, when I first heard about it, I'm not a big vulture fan. Like, I think he's kind of lame. Like, in the comics, he's like this old guy that just has like a flying suit. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like, Spider-Man should just be able to like destroy this guy in 10 seconds. Like, I don't even know. What's his comic book origin? It's just some old guy that like discovered a suit. Or what? I, I can't remember exactly what his deal is, but there's been times he's been obsessed with um, um, rejuvenating, uh, de-aging uh, at one point. I, I can't remember his full origin, but I think he's his second appearance spider-man spider-man's first villain was lizard and then the yeah. second yeah he was wow. yeah and the ticker the ticker showed up as well which is yeah. cool that the ticker's in this as well oh he was the guy making that like, yeah he was guy i really like that guy oh he's great yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah but i you know Keaton killed it in this role, yes. and Vulture was scary. You see the scenes where Spider-Man just out of nowhere, Vulture comes, picks him up, and the camera's like the shaky cam, and you're like, where am I? And then he falls into the water. Yeah. like Into his parachute? Yeah. He felt that. This yeah. was, I say, the number two best MCU villain behind Loki. Yep. And I think it's because he got a backstory. Yeah, yep. they actually learned how to do a villain. Yeah. Could that be Sony? I or don't. Could that be Sony does pretty good villains. Yeah. Like they gave us Doc Ock. Doc Ock was amazing. Uh, Green Goblin, the first one, was good. Interesting point. I don't know. I made a major statement at the start of this. <laughs> it got me rethinking know. it. Even, even Lizard was not bad in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, towards the end he got a little fluffy, but... Yeah. He had no pants on, right? Like, he was kind of just like pantsless. I was like, what's going on there? What did you guys think of the suit? Did, did you think it looked kind of wonky? Or did, did it fit in the universe that we've built? It, it works with, with this universe that they built because it's all about like pads, you know, going with Cap's costume and even yeah. Spider-Man's. And, and like Sanjay said, like he was kind of scary with that yeah. helmet. You felt this this weight of that villain towards Spider-Man and the costume worked for me when he... when Because he, it wasn't too much, you know? It just it yeah. worked. Yeah. yeah. It didn't feel unbelievable. Yeah. It yeah. felt like, yeah, I guess a guy that has the tinkerer building with all these alien tech could probably make something like this. Right. Mm -hmm. And it never did any 
anything crazy. Like he wasn't doing all this crazy flipping. It was just yeah. some way for him to get to point A to point B, exactly. as well as help him steal things. Yeah. Like, yeah. It never felt beyond Iron Man even. It wasn't like this yeah. crazy. And it, one thing I really love is that they didn't evolve the suit. He didn't get into a bigger suit right. that was yeah. like a big bird thing or whatever. This was a simple suit. Well, it was complex, but it was simple <laughs> enough for this film. Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about his threat level? Because this is something that going into this, we're going to ask the question, why didn't Iron Man show up? Why didn't whomever, Captain America, whatever, show up to take on the Vulture? And this is addressed right in the film, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. They basically say that he's just running around stealing stuff. Yeah. This isn't an Avengers level type thing. Avengers yeah. level thing is Ultron, global threats, right. which we're going to see in Infinity War. And I'd like to acknowledge that because they're building up some sort of foundation or at least precedence for future villains that we don't need to call a hero or, or the Avengers every single time some guy is stealing something. Yeah. And there's a point out here which Tony Stark actually mentions. He says, this guy isn't big enough for the Avengers. There's other right. people that take care of this. Right. My mind went directly to the Netflix series. I was like, is this the first reference? And they kind of played off that he called the FBI on yeah. the Staten Island Ferry. But I'm thinking in my mind, New York, this, there's other people that handle yeah. this. Like, could this be a little nod towards the Netflix, the one that we've kind of been waiting for? Right. Oh. Wait and see, I guess, maybe? Yeah. Being that ABC Shields fan, do the Shield take on villains similar to this as the Vulture, or um, to a degree, yeah. Right. Like yep. there's Inhumans running around with big powers, and you've had Hydra doing their thing. There's, they're doing a they did a life model decoy type. So yeah, like Ghost Rider, it's, yeah. he's not really a, he's a kind of anti-hero, but yeah. they're just villains of this stature, I would say. Yeah. Even you look at the Netflix, it's the same thing, right? You've got Wilson Fisk, you've got the Purple Man. Like these are villains that are appropriate for those TV series. These aren't Avengers threat level things. Yeah. And so I can appreciate them acknowledging that. They, they've listened to fandom and they, they know when they're writing this that people are going to be asked these questions. Yes. I feel like they write a script and they're like, all right, where are the holes in this that the fans yeah. are going to be like, why didn't Iron Man just show up and punch Vulture in the face? Exactly. Well, Iron Man had better things to do. Right. That's true, yeah. And I think that's that's great storytelling for me. That's great continuity and cinematic universe building. Yeah. And that's classic Spider-Man. If you go back to his early issues where he's like, oh, I really could use, you know, Thor's help. And Thor's like flying by like, oh, I'm off to Asgard. Or, <laughs> you know, uh, the Fantastic Four are off in the negative zone. Like everybody's doing their own thing. They're busy. Spider-Man has to handle his business. I like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, because at the end of Thor the Dark World, you're like, the whole world almost died. Where's the rest of the Avengers? So I think that was like too high of a threat where, you know, you question it. But this one, yeah, you're right. Like, why would Thor even bother with Vulture? It would be like a two-second fight. Like, yeah. he would just sneeze and Vulture would be dead. Yeah. So we're getting this tiered level of villains with along with the tiered level of superheroes as well. And Spider-Man, yeah, he's going to elevate an Infinity War and all yeah. that, and he's part of Civil War. But it's nice because this is a, a new villain and a new superhero. We spent right. a good chunk of the first half of this movie exploring the power set of Spider-Man. We got some inclinations of it in Civil War, but sitting here as we go into this, when we get the suit, we get the web sling, we get him trying to be a hero. This is a fantastic sequence to set up Spider-Man. But coming before that is the Civil War recap. What are your guys' thoughts on how they integrated Civil War into this film, as well as telling the Civil War story from the perspective of Peter Parker? This was genius. This <laughs> yeah. was so good. And right? again, going back to uh, how they captured like the teenage spirit, they did it all in this scene. This was so good. This is this is what I wish we got in that prelude comic that I read. This yeah. was is so much fun. And right off the bat, you know, it just sets the tone for that humor, kind of much like what Guardians does with their humor and their tone. 
at the beginning of the movie, this movie did the exact same thing, and it just set that level of excitement and uh, and comedy. Yeah, it's very much a millennial videotaping everything. Yes. Like, yeah. oh my god, this is happening. One of my favorite lines is when he's actually at the airport and he points to Black Panther, "Who's this new yeah. guy?" Yeah, yeah. and then I he says, that. "Oh, Under Roots, that's me." And yeah, then he flies out. Yeah, and get the, hey guys, hey everyone. Yeah, yeah. love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's such a great way to integrate something that came before without just kind of heavy handling and being like, remember that time you were in Civil War? That was crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do you think they actually call it Civil War? I mean, they already have a Civil War in the US where they call it like Civil War, the sequel, like Civil, Civil War, War two. 2. We just went through that in the comic That's right. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, one of- <laughs> you think kids would have to learn about that at school then? It's like Civil War and they're like, uh, teacher, which one? The one with abraham lincoln maybe i don't know u.s history or the one with captain america captain america because one of my favorite lines actually spins out of that an acknowledgement of the civil war within the mcu is it is delivered by a comedian hannibal burris when he says when we've got the cap cameo and all that he's talking about on the screen about doing all your push-ups and whatever and he just mutters under his breath i think this guy's some sort of war criminal now (laughs) i was howling at that line it was a brilliant acknowledgement of what happened before and it's kind of him just being like i don't know if we should be showing this <laughs> yeah but just as a difference right like the teacher that's just like i don't really care and then he just goes back to reading his book or yeah. whatever yeah. or when cat pointed to him the one way and he was yeah, standing on the wrong the side way. of the screen yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's those little details yeah. that i love that whole captain america stuff in there was brilliant yeah, yeah. I, i'd say like there's a lot of good lines in this but that is my that's the line i laughed at the yeah. hardest it's believable though right like, you could yeah. totally see cap doing something like that he's wearing his avengers costume right yeah so you could totally see like the u.s government trying to like be buddy buddy with him and well, like, it wasn't the first time they used cap as like a mascot right no exactly back to the first avenger that's right yeah. oh yeah that's a nice yeah. callback yeah. he should have done the song and dance yeah star spangled man with a plan yeah and they should have like updated it with maybe like a new like rapper or something that made it like cool <laughs> the star spangled drink in there <laughs> one thing though that confused me about that whole cat thing as we're kind of getting way off in a tangent here is that it confused the timeline a bit for me a bit more because i couldn't figure out when he'd be wearing that costume and actually have time to sit down and do those videos so i'm assuming that was after the avengers that that took place. Like oh. He kind of got all in his duds yeah. and did like the, do your push-ups, do this, do that. Right, because you know, he is... never had the costume before the Avengers. No, that's, that's right. He got it in the Avengers. And because like, your mentality goes straight from Avengers into Winter Soldier, which is a very different Captain America. Yes. But that takes place at least a year or so after, probably two years, after the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So it's a different mindset. I had a hard time getting into that. Sort of. I was like, right. this is confusing because we were kind of jumping back and forth in the timeline a bit with the references, with a lot of Avengers references, then you get this, and then you get some Ultron stuff. And right. so I had a hard time kind of rebounding that around in my head a little bit until I actually was like, okay, this makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the key things here with, with Spider-Man, and you mentioned this, Troy, is the balance between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. This is a struggle we see him go through through the entirety of the movie. But when we get introduced here at the start to his high school days, this again, taking Spider-Man back to the roots was the right move. And I'm hoping that we get more of this high school Peter Parker going forward because I want more of this. Every time he was on screen with his classmates, I was like, this is golden. I'm engaged here. I don't need the action. This movie is full of action, but I wanted more of this. Ned, the man in the chair, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. This actor, he is brilliant. What an addition to this universe what a great sidekick and i love that they went down the path almost immediately of him finding out that he's spider-man right it wasn't about him 
like they did with Harry Osborn about this like battle between two best friends yes. and all this. Like he's not an adversary. He becomes a sidekick, a partner to Spider-Man. That is brilliant. This isn't a Harry Osborn type character. This yes. is so much more than that. And this kid is fantastic. Yeah, he's he's great. He's great. I, I feel like they borrowed so much again from uh, the Ultimate Universe, and it, it works so well. I mean, you know, and he has this 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 childish behavior. I don't want to say childish. I'm, you know, here I am, and I, I love Legos. And I love <laughs> Marvel toys. We're, we're in this room right now that's full of Lego and Marvel toys. <laughs> so never mind what I'm going to say here. But yeah, right off the bat, you know, he's into his Legos. He's into building the Millennium yeah. Falcon. The Millennium Falcon. The he's Death into Star. building the Death Star, right? And we see Emperor Palpatine yeah. over Spider-Man's that, shoulder. That the way he introduced him there, like he comes oh, out with the Emperor, and he's that's just like, great. and then Tom Holland or Peter Parker turns around, it's like, oh my god, you got the Death Star. Yeah, that's I'm. You know, an over thirty year old yeah. man, and that's the way I would be. Ah, so one of you guys came up and was like, "Look yeah. what I got!" Like, oh yeah, so cool. Yeah. So and then the girls in the background looking like oh, losers, and I, yeah. I love that. It, it's, yeah. just, it just works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so much. And Zendaya too. She plays who's. It's interesting how they reveal her name. It's a slow burn through yes. the movie. Yeah. They really don't acknowledge her, and then they call her Michelle for a bit, and right. then at the end they drop, "Oh, it's MJ." Yeah. What are your thoughts on her? being like a michelle mary jane watson or something do you think that's mj or do you think that's just a nod to what's come before and they're gonna do something completely different with this character yeah this one was tricky um you know i, I mentioned to you before i kind of feel like at the end there's a little bit of a throwaway they kind of did the um dark knight rises where oh, john yeah. blake's like oh my middle oh, name's yeah. robin i was yeah. like no get out of here like, i don't <laughs> i don't like that at all because one i'm a mary jane fan and two i'm a robin fan so i don't like either of those but i feel like uh zadea could really grow into mary jane i think that'd be really cool i just wish they just just called her mary i wish they didn't try and hold back this this secret reveal of who could she be you know, but I really do hope in time, um, I heard a cool thing that maybe one day uh, they set her up with Peter as a blind date. They have no idea that they're on a, a date together and they see each other and like, whoa, and they, they hit it off. And that way you can still get the, hey, Tiger, you, you hit the jackpot. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You can yeah. still pull that off eventually. But um, I think Zendaya is great. She's fantastic. Yeah. She, she, she did a good she's job. Really yeah. Cool yeah. She nails that, that angst, that kind of. You know, I'm off. I'm not really into all this, but yeah. I'm also very smart and want to be part of a bigger That's thing. Right. But I'm a bit yeah. too cool for school. That's type right. Thing. Yeah. And call, and Meg calls her on it every time. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought you had no friends. You yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Did she like in the movie? You know, act like a Mary Jane. Like you know, I don't read any Spider-Man comic books, but. Uh, you know, I saw the movies and, you know, Kristen Dunn's character and I watched the cartoon and, you know, she always wanted to be like this like glamorous actress and um, she just seems kind of like... Um, Standoffish? Yeah. Yeah. In this one, like she didn't really like feel like a Mary Jane to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, she didn't act like it. Did you guys get that? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not, nothing like the, the 616 or the Earth Prime uh, Mary Jane. Maybe slightly ultimate-ish. There's a, there's a point in the ultimate universe where Mary Jane like gets um I, I believe her father banishes her from peter and and she dyes her hair black for like like maybe two comics maybe that was the closest thing we got here with the zendaya portrayal of that mary jane okay yeah but either than that i didn't see the 616 mj at all yeah no. like it was a good performance but i just didn't feel like she was playing mary jane to me yeah and i really didn't miss that though exactly like yeah. i liked where they're going with this character yeah it's yeah. something different right? yeah exactly and the fact that tom holland's surrounded by such a strong cast that you don't notice the absence of characters and the fact that flash is very different flash thompson very different from the iteration we have in the comics and yeah. the fact that he's not a jock yeah he's a smart rich smart ass kid like we don't need 
that Flash Thompson, that big brooding dude that plays football, yeah. to be picking on Peter Parker. We've seen it all the time. Yeah, we, we yeah. get that. And yeah. this is, it's kind of a bit more likened to what we have today about the bullying. Like, yeah. It's no longer yeah. a physical bullying, right? right. Yeah. It's, it's a relentless cyberbullying. You don't really see that here, but you get the impression that that's what's going on. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's great. This, this cast that he's surrounded with is absolutely fantastic. Yes. And I think that that's going to be something they're going to focus in on going forward. Now, whether some of these characters, a couple of the characters that actually are villains down the road right. that they've kind of included here, whether they're off references or not. Right. Well, sorry to interrupt you, but like Ned himself actually becomes the Hobgoblin. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if this Ned is meant to be that Ned oh. or if he's meant to be, like I said, gank. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ned Leeds. They never mentioned his last name. No, they don't. They they never do. They stay, and like they've done that before. They stay away from last names for pigeonholing a character and what they can do in the future. So I I really don't think they're going to go down that path with this character, with this actor. But I am hoping that we get a lot more of their interaction. Their chemistry was fantastic. Yes, you're gonna hear me say that a lot. So as as Peter struggles with this whole idea of balancing high school and being Spider-Man, he does find himself periodically out web-slinging and getting himself into a little more trouble than maybe he should have. And this is where we get him coming across Adrian Toomes' associates, which turns out to be both of the Shockers. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and he's selling weapons to Aaron Davis. This is Donald Glover's character. That's right. And Donald Glover, he's a very famous actor, very respected actor. And, and he rapper. Plays, and rapper, yeah. yes. Troy from Community. Yes, oh, yeah. I love him. He plays such a small role here. And for those that aren't familiar with Aaron Davis, Troy, can you enlighten them a little bit who this character yeah, actually is? for sure. Aaron Davis, man, he's um, the ultimate version of the Prowler. So in the 616, the original is uh, Hobie Brown. But in the Ultimate Universe, Aaron Davis is the Prowler who sneaks into Oscorp, Happens to capture, not capture, but happens to uh, bring home a, uh, a a spider, a radioactive spider. That spider then ends up biting his nephew, which happens to be Miles Morales at the age of 13. And then grows up to be Spider-Man a little bit after. So huge importance here with this character. We called it before here on the Nerd Room that he's most likely going to be Prowler. Yeah. And that's who he is, Aaron Davis. So man, well casted, yeah. well executed. He's going to be in future movies as well. For sure. I see him being a bit more of somewhat of a criminal liaison to yeah. Peter Parker for a while until maybe yeah. eventually evolving into uh, the Prowler to some degree. Yeah. And then getting the evolution of Miles Morales out of that. So this goes into this idea that this whole movie spends a lot of time building up a universe, but it does it without throwing it in your face. You don't really know, unless you're kind of in the know, yes. what's going on here. It's so subtle. You kind of think to yourself, and eh, why is Donald Glover playing this role? Yeah. And then we know it's going to come to fruition later down the road. So this gets you that much more excited for the Spider-Man universe that they're building up here. For sure. This this happened to be one of the scenes where I was nudging Sanjay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes actually in this movie is when he went into interrogation mode. Oh like, I'm yeah! I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. No, I'm not a boy. I'm a man. Yeah. His voice, he made fun of like Arrow and like the Christian Bale yeah. voice. I yeah. thought that was just hilarious. Yeah. I was dying that was so both funny. times. I saw yeah. This. yeah, yeah, definitely, that was definitely one of the best parts of the film. Yeah, too. like yeah. that was hilarious. So funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the first, I kind of skated over this actually. I got to- so excited about going and talking about Aaron Davis. Was the actual first big action sequence we get in this film? That's the ATM fight. And this is something that's yanked directly out of the Ultimate Universe. We talked about this in our prelude episode. What did you guys think of the first big action sequence, the first big web-slinging, fighting actual villains as opposed to our superheroes from Civil War? What did you think of that, about this scene here? 
this was awesome. This was so good because we're finally getting Spider-Man with that that banter, you know, that witty, wisecracking Spider-Man. And they failed to do that with the Sam Raimi. They, they tried doing it a little bit with the uh, Andrew Garfield, but this one, they nailed it. You mentioned it before with uh, the Alpha Comics episode that, yeah, this is like the Mark Bagley Bendis run. Uh, and it's it's so cool. I like how he calls out Thor and Hulk because yeah. he hasn't met them yet. Yeah, yeah. that was so oh, cool. Yeah. I haven't met you guys yet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, that, that's great. No, I, um, uh, sorry. It's spider sense. That's a big thing too. Lack of spider sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just don't. I just. I think it's there. I just don't think they really focused on it. But this scene kind of showcases mm-hmm. that, right? Do you yeah. think that's something he could evolve into? Like you see his suit. We get kind of this evolution of suit as we yeah. go through it. Could his power set evolve as we go as well? I really hope so. Yeah. I really like that actually. I hope as as he matures, do. goes through puberty, and exactly. all that, something kind of develops inside of yeah, him. Yeah, kind of like the the Smallville. Um, Superman evolving yeah. into Superman. Yeah, right? exactly. With his powers, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this one, Sanjay? I thought it was hilarious. I thought the fight scene was awesome. Uh, the one thing that I didn't like uh, is when they shoot that uh, the gun and then it like goes into the deli or the convenience store and then the guy lives and I'm like, there's no way that guy would have survived that like explosion. Like, come on, like they brought that. They did that again. Um, we'll talk about this later. But that boat scene when they're like, someone could have got killed. I'm like. No one got killed in this fight? Like, are you kidding me? It's a Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a PG. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a minor nitpick because I'm a nitpicking asshole, but I thought that was great. But if that guy had died, because we, we established a connection with this character, the sub shop, mm-hmm. good banter and all that. If that character had died, would that have felt a lot like Uncle Ben dying? Like it's oh, he, he's yeah. be, he's responsible for yeah. it. This is somebody has a connection to. Yeah. He's out fighting when he's been told not to right. by Happy Hogan by Iron Man, and then all of a sudden he ends up destroying half of a building. Yeah. So to me, if it had killed that character, they're paralleling Uncle Ben too much there. This need this guy needed to survive. He just needed to feel the weight of being irresponsible with his power set, and that continues to build until it gets a culmination with the Staten Island Ferry scene. So we need to see him kind of screwing up here. I didn't want him to be this almighty superhero because right. we see that a lot in all, all superhero movies is yeah. mm-hmm. someone gets a power set and immediately they can do everything. Exactly. Right. This is very much learning to use your powers right in front of us. And he needs to make these mistakes. This is all about how Spider-Man evolves in the comic books. Yes. And we need to see this evolution of character. I don't want Peter Parker to be the perfect hero. Yeah. He's not that in the comic books yeah. and he doesn't need to be that. He needs to be this teenager that's exploring, experimenting, and trying to impress Tony Stark. Yes, Spider-Man learning to crawl. This is his <laughs> early years, right? So it's it's gonna be a while to becomes like the amazing Ultimate Spider-Man, and I, I really like the tone or, or or the direction they went with the character that he does have these faults. Yeah, yeah. It's a little different for me because from what I remember from Spider-Man, I'm basically I'm basing most of my knowledge off of the 1994 cartoon, which to me is the best superhero cartoon ever created. Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, and, you know, in that one, Spider-Man was like the leader. So, like, you know, uh, they had the Secret Wars episode and he was leading, like, Iron Man and Captain America. And uh, so it is a little bit different. I mean, it is a little bit to get used to, but that is kind of the roots of Spider-Man. So I totally get that's the way they're going. But it just took me back a bit because I'm used to Spider-Man, you know, being better than Iron Man, I guess. Right, right. In this one, he's yeah. not. Yeah, because this is the 90s. That's when Spider-Man ruled Spider-Man oh, and the yeah. X-Men. So Marvel and Fox had that character written at an all-time uh, high in those in those cartoons. But he's also a college then, too. So he's had some time to be Spider-Man. But we'll get there. 
definitely. Oh yeah. 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 And speaking about like the evolution of Spider-Man and that, I'm kind of jumping a bit here because I'm getting excited as we talk about some of these bigger <laughs> scenes. Is we never really touched much on that that first scene where he's wandering around, he's doing the bike, he's getting the burrito from the oh, lady, yeah. he's, he's calling Happy Hogan yeah, a lot here. Stanley's appearance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What did you guys think of that that whole start, that banter that he's got, and also the inclusion of Happy Hogan as the liaison, as opposed to it being what we thought was going to be Tony Stark. This was great. This was perfect because, you know, going into, I think, the review we did on the trailer and, and plenty of reviews out there, everybody was like, way too much Iron Man. They showed way too much, but they didn't. After seeing this film, they really didn't show us that well, much. Well, they showed us all the scenes. They, the they, showed, us, they yeah. showed us some scenes, definitely. Even definitely. one that didn't make the movie. That's right, that you pointed out with him <laughs> yeah. in Iron Man. When they, he's doing the web sling and that was at the end of that trailer that we're all like, whoa, this was the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. But I, like, I'm not, I'm... I think it's great what they yeah. did with this, with Iron Man here. But having Happy Hogan be such a big player in this yes. movie, it doesn't you don't get that weight of Robert Downey Jr. Because that's what we were afraid of, is that this was going to be a Spider-Man film, but it felt more like an Iron Man film. But I didn't get that at all. Yeah. Like, this was a Spider-Man film with Robert Downey Jr. supporting it. He's really not in it that much, yeah. Yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And I think his presence is a needed one at the important times that we do get it. But having Happy Hogan in here, it doesn't take away from Peter being special in this movie. Yes. You mm-hmm. add Iron Man or Vision or someone else, Peter no longer becomes special. Yeah. And you yeah. need him to be the focal point of this movie. Exactly. Or else yeah, it gets too close to being an Avengers movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. How much do you think Robert Downey Jr. got paid just to appear in like for like, what, 15 minutes? 30 that? some odd million dollars to be my guess. He probably got paid a ton of money. Like I need he, his job. I feel like they just they just were like, cut the beard and we'll just film you randomly when you're on your travels or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then we'll just do pickup scenes with people wherever you are. You're in India this week? Okay, we're yeah. going to go pick up a scene here <laughs> exactly. with it you. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. And then we'll just have you do some voiceover and then we're good. For yeah. sure. Like <laughs> so, one day of shooting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, we'll, we'll talk about this now, I guess, is Iron Man. We get the first appearance of an Iron Man suit after we have the first battle between Vulture and Spider-Man. We touched on that briefly. First of all, let's hear our thoughts on the first fight between Vulture and Spider-Man because it kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, as I said, you know, that fight was terrifying. Like, he comes out of nowhere, he picks up Spider-Man, he drops him in the water. And, you know, it does set the power set to Vulture because a big question for me, and I think a lot of people going in, is Vulture's kind of lame. Like, Spider-Man should just be able to take him out in, like, two seconds. And this scene flips that, you know, you see like, okay, this vulture guy, you know, he really, uh, he really can bring it. So yeah, I thought it was a great scene and uh, I thought they did a really good job, you know, setting up that first fight. And of course the villain's always going to win the first fight. So yeah, I dug it. Yeah, this worked me uh, big time here. This is great because, you know, it's kind of like welcome to the real world, like bring your A game because you've been messing around in New York with like these little small time thugs, but this is like a major villain and it's a wake up call for Peter basically you know because it's like yeah he fought like the Avengers in the Civil War but he also had Avengers backing him this was just Peter against the Vulture and Vulture just he kicked his ass and it was terrifying like you mentioned that whole scene when he brings him all the way up and then drops him down you get that scale too it's pretty scary I mean we had the 3D glasses on and it worked Um, he falls into the parachute like that's terrifying right and Iron Man's there to save him but this scene was really good I loved it and I love the Iron Man armor too because that's pretty much a callback to the to the Ultimates first incarnation of the costume right yeah yeah so I really like that that costume it is yeah yeah, callback to all the Ultimate Universe yeah absolutely loved it and the one interesting point there that, that you mentioned about him having the backing and fighting the Avengers yeah. is that there's a line in there from Tony Stark that directly says, "If Cap wanted to kill you, he would have." Yes. Yeah. 
Like exactly. Cap was looking out from they, they you get the impression that in the in Civil War there that none of them were really trying to kill each other. It's just incapacitate. Exactly. Right. And so that was kind of a wake up call from I agree that he's fighting these thugs, he's he's you know, basically walking old ladies across the road. <laughs> he has a rough time in this ATM booth with these guys, but now we got the vulture here. This is big time. And right. then without Iron Man, Spider Man dies. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so again, that that's a huge wake up call and a great introduction of of Iron Man here. And I like the fact that he's not in the suit. I love that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hilarious, and that and it's so appropriate because Tony Stark wouldn't just be hanging out in New York waiting for Spider Man to screw up and almost die. Right. It, it's right. so appropriate that we see this in in Iron Man three. It's in the comic books as well right. that he just kind of flies around. He's got the glasses on. Like they spent a whole arc uh, during the guard when he was up with the Guardians that he's. He was in space, but he was also on Earth, but he was just in an empty suit. <laughs> That's right, in the black and gold. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was so good. I, I really liked what they did with Iron Man here. Like I said, it doesn't weigh down the movie, and he comes in at the appropriate times, this being a very important scene for, for Peter Parker and learning that he is not invincible. He can right. die. Yeah, right. he's not the invincible Iron Man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's after the scene where we get Adrian Toomes kind of stepping from this struggling family guy to something a bit darker. It's in, it's in the rage of the fallout from the battle between the Shockers and Peter Parker, Spider-Man, that they've, they've lost some of the weapons that they've been trying to sell. And they're kind of getting the scent of the FBI in them at this point. The Spider-Man's been chasing them for a little bit. And Adrian Toomes actually kills the first Shocker by accident, but he kind of owns that accident and becomes, I think, right then and there, he becomes the villain of the movie. Yes. Prior to that, he's just trying to do his thing and stay under the radar. Now he's killed someone. He's starting to, to teeter into that very villainous zone, someone that's doing this for more than just protecting his family. And Michael Keaton, I think in these scenes, he's really key because he really gives that off in his expression. Yes. That you see him be like, well, that was kind of an accident. Yeah. And you got that from before that he just wanted to do the right thing by his family and by his crew. Yeah. And now he's wading into something a little bit different. There's a little bit of greed coming in here. And I like what they did in this scene as far as developing that character. It's something very brief and something very subtle. Not so much so they killed the guy. But at the same time, in the PG movie, him disintegrating a guy, it was kind of a big step, I think, for the villain of the film. Yeah, yeah. Snitches get stitches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if, you, if you come across Michael Keaton, he owns this role. This is cool. Yeah. And, and, and a fun nod, too. Um, the first shocker in this movie, um, the, the Tom Hardy knockoff, because he looks kind of like Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah. um, he's actually Montana. And in the original Spider-Man comics, Montana... Fancy Dan and uh, Ox, they're, they're a crew. I, I, I don't know why I forgot their name, but they're, they're pretty big. And they were pretty big in the Spider-Man days in the early uh, Spider-Man comics. But um, it's cool because in the spectacular Spider-Man, uh, they, they did the same thing where they took Montana and they made him the Shocker, which has never been done before in the comics. So it's cool that this movie was obviously paying attention to the original villains and as well as a highly acclaimed television show such as Spectacular Spider-Man. <laughs> so that's a fun nod. But anyways, getting back to the scene, really like this scene. This sets the tone with Vulture that he's out for blood, don't step on his shoes. And I, I like how he's trying to keep his composure. You know, he really wants to just give this guy an earful. He didn't really want to kill this guy in the first place, but this guy got a little mouthy and he picked up that gun, not knowing it as that kind of gun yeah. <laughs> and you know just uh destroyed this guy so it was a good scene and i i really like that we get a little bit of interaction with the tinkerer there too because he still wants to work on this um some sort of device i, I forgot it's that atmosphere i can't remember exactly he what keeps bringing it up yeah. about the whole thing yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's great yeah um i'm gonna actually disagree i thought the scene kind of came out of nowhere where he just kills the shocker guy i was like 
What? Like, they set him up as the Shocker, and he had, like, the yellow and, like, the red crisscross. Like, he looked yeah. like the Shocker from the cartoon in the comics. So, okay, this is obviously the Shocker. Then he's gone. Shocker. And then he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I guess you're the new Shocker. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. That, that felt a little bit, like, too kind of cheesy. Yeah. He's like, you're, he's like, who are you? I'm the Shocker. And he kills him, and he's like, you're the new Shocker. But but you know, they poke fun of the name, because he's like, you call yourself the Shocker? What are you, like some WWE reject yeah. or something? Like, yeah. I like how they poke fun of the name and the character, because it's yeah. kind of goofy. I thought that was a nod to the whole wrestling thing from Spider-Man 1. Wow, Bonesaw. Bonesaw. Oh, Bonesaw, yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. That's yeah. what I got yeah. off that scene. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Following on from this, we get Peter Parker and Ned studying the weapon that was left behind by the Shocker and the crew there that he was chasing. And after Ned and Peter discover that it's a power source, this is when we get the new Shocker and one of his cronies following them to the school to try to find this power source using whatever sort of technology they have. And this is where we get Peter Parker putting on a spider tracer and eventually chasing them to Maryland. And it's at this point we get the high school involved here again, and we get Peter Parker struggling with with Liz Allen, another great character that's introduced here. And he ends up going... Liz Toomes. Lynn's tooth. Yeah, because she's the Yeah, they never say her last oh, name, they don't. but it yeah. should be oh, Liz yeah. Allen. But but oh, yeah. it would technically be Liz Tombs. But yeah, again, like so. you said, to not tie these characters down yeah. right? with yeah. the last names. True. Good but call. Liz Allen sounds right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kept, the whole movie, I was like, oh, yeah, Liz Allen. Liz Allen. Oh, yeah. It, it might be her middle name, Allen. Right. Is that a middle name? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not for a girl. But anyways, <laughs> we do have Peter Parker rejoining his decathlon team and heading to Washington, D.C. in pursuit of the villains here. And this is where we get the introduction of the advanced suit. We get the training wheels protocol removed by Ned as they hack the suit itself. And before we get into this truck heist, we get the exploration of this new suit, which comes with new web shooters or old web shooters that are just unlocked, an AI, a kill mode, web wings. What are you guys' thoughts of this really expansive suit and how does that fit this whole evolution of a character that's just new to being a superhero is this appropriate or does this feel too much like an iron man suit to you especially troy gotta hear this <laughs> well you know it, it it works actually i'm gonna have to say because going into modern times now and even in the comics right now spider-man suit is highly advanced it's on par with iron man's in mm, the comics right now and all, all different so that his comic his comics his costume has been like that since 2015 was it secret wars yeah so it's been like that for like two years now um this costume worked for me though. It was great what they did because at first I was like, no, I don't want him to be like Iron Man. But the fact that the suit has backlash towards Peter Parker, you know, it's that Peter Parker luck classic, right? Where it works against him as opposed to for him. And it's a great scene, right? So I really like the costume. I, I do like the fact that he can call in the web shooters and he can get kill mode, even though he doesn't want to kill anybody. Interrogation mode, the classic web wings. Right. Yeah. What do you, what do you, the eyes when they go to the red. Yeah. Was that a nod to something? It, it, I, I thought for a second it was like, um, Superior Spider Man. Yeah, that's for what, second. That's right? what I got. I yeah. was like, okay, they're nodding to something. Right. Here. That's what I thought for yeah. a second too. With Superior Spider Man, there's been a couple other Spider Mans too that have had that look where they uh, they're like assassins. But I, I can't remember the name of that Spider Man. But I first thing I thought of too was yeah. Superior Spider Man. What about yeah. the chest thing that comes out of him that kind of floats around a bit? His his little buddy. Yeah, which is cool. It's like the drone. Yeah, it's like, kind of like Falcon's drone. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Red cool. Wing. That's that's new. Yeah. That's new. I don't recall Spider Man ever having that, especially yeah. obviously in the classics. But I, I like that. And again, because it's a modern telling, it just works. That it makes sense that he would have a costume like this. Yeah. But nothing more leading into uh, the end. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't need anything more than that. Yeah. Uh, no, I totally like the suit. It's like another character. 
in the whole movie, yeah. right? Like Karen, he has someone to talk to. Um, you know, the Jennifer banter. Connelly. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Jennifer Connolly, who is married to Vision. Paul. Vision. Vision, yeah. yeah that's a Benny. nice little uh, Easter egg that they had there. Yeah. Betty so, Brett, who was in the original Hulk, right? Yeah. yeah. Great movie. So good. Those Hulk dogs. Oh, and when he <laughs> fights the poodles? Certified fresh and Rotten Tomatoes. Let's get back in drag. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I absolutely love this suit. I, I, the AI thing threw me off a little bit, but yeah. it was nice to have a character to banter with while he was going through this expiration scene and while he's trapped in that damage control facility as yeah. well. I liked that idea of it. Like having him in there by himself, talking to himself, that feels like amazing Spider-Man. Yes. This feels like the MCU. Right. Is yeah. it a little much sometimes? I think so because it's just still not my Spider-Man. Yeah. But it made sense for the suit and for this universe. Tony Stark built this. Of course he built in all this shit right. into his suit that dried for him and that had a GPS on him and all right. this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I agree. It makes sense in this universe. And the whole idea, like you said, Troy, about it working against him, it wasn't like he automatically knew how to do everything. Yes. He struggled so much with this, and it screwed him up through this whole scene going into this truck heist with the vulture. He just didn't know how to use the suit, right. and he was all over the place. Right. It kind of felt like a video game. You know, like he had like the different web shooters that he could choose from and like the different uh, modes. Kind of felt like an RPG game where he had to like unlock it by getting like enough experience points. It, it's funny you say that like a video game because in the damage control facility where he's trying to figure out things, he, yeah. I think it's a damage control, he throws like the web grenade and then yeah. spits out. And yeah. that's straight out of the new Spider-Man PS4 exclusive game. Really? He does that in the trailer. So I thought that was really cool. <laughs> they... Tied it. I mean, Sony. It's all. It's all connected. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's nice though in that damage control facility because that gives you a bit of downtime in between big action set pieces, and also gives you some time to focus in on Peter Parker and Spider Man becoming one. Yes. And it also allows us to understand how he learns to use the suit because he spends all the time in that facility. Thirty-seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. I, yeah. I felt like that too. It was like, oh my god, this feels like it's taking forever. Yeah. No, it's only been thirty minutes. Yeah. Fantastic. But you get a real feel for the. Fact that yes he's learning to use this suit it's it's the basic mode of this training wheels off type suit yeah. but it didn't make the leap for you to be like oh yeah i get this all now right it was it was a nice pause we got some some comedy in there and you yes. got a real feel for characters becoming one i felt yeah handled better than uh dr strange because you know that's a lot of complaints with the dr strange where yeah. people like yeah, yeah you figure out the magic a little too easily here they kept it on track yeah well with yeah. dr strange just had a throwaway like he can learn really quick exactly like, yeah. yes yeah he can do anything really and this isn't what peter parker is and yeah. they never go there yeah. yeah yeah what about this battle between vulture and spider-man on the truck, this big truck heist thing. We're using this, whatever, the, the phase shifting thing. And right. we've got Vulture in a big way here just trying to steal. Another short fight between the two of them. Did it kind of live up to this middle fight sequence that we've talked a lot about in the MCU being the best fight sequence? Um, the middle one here, it was okay. It, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't anything. It, it wasn't really anything. No. I, I liked it. I mean, I like seeing those two go at it. But it wasn't really anything. I felt like, if anything, is more of a tease to... The big, big mm. final fight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel like spectacular. <laughs> We're so good at guns. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like some of the other films, as we said, the middle fight scene actually turns out to be the best fight scene. I didn't find that in this case. Yeah. What's interesting about the fight scenes we've had with the Vulture, we've had a very brief one at the start. We've had this one in the middle, again, very short. Even the last one, I'm not checking my watch at any times during this, no. but with the each fight sequence here, you're building in the size, the scale of it. I was waiting for another one. I thought the plane 
was the middle fight sequence, to be honest with you. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm still enjoying this film a lot, but I didn't think that was the end of the film. Because we haven't had what we're used to in this middle, big middle fight sequence where we have the hero defeated, but it's actually a big action piece. We don't really get that here. It's a lot more about exploring Spider-Man and Peter Parker as opposed to what we actually get in a fight sequence with a villain. We do, though, falling on from this scene, get another big action sequence. It's not so much a fight sequence. It's a rescue sequence because we have the bomb, the Chitauri bomb going off in Ned's backpack at the Washington Memorial, which lands his classmates in a lot of hot water here, and he has to go through all this. This, to me, is your middle action piece that is one of the best of the film if not the best of the film it's not a fight sequence we don't have the vulture here whatever but we get peter parker using the majority of his power set in here this is great again i'm gonna say skill here a lot the skill of him climbing that tower yeah yeah glasses on i was freaking out i'm like i know he's spider-man i know he can climb to walls but I'm like, man, that's that's a far, that's a high fall, and especially when you know Karen's like, just to remind you, you did reload that parachute, done so yeah. right, and uh, man, you know, there's a cool little nod here. Maybe it's just me looking into it too far, but when Spider-Man's at the top of that tower and he's climbing, like the SWAT team comes in and they have like the uh, the sniper rifle on him for a quick second. That shot looks like a classic cover of uh, the Punisher. Oh, the Punisher's on Spidey. Yeah. I kind of got that sense. I don't know if that's what they're going for, but it looked like that target on Spider-Man. So. Was it uh, the guy from The Walking Dead in there? <laughs> oh, <I'm talking> about, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. Awesome. And uh, I, I get the web wings. Yeah, out here, right. Awesome. And uh, I really love how he uses that momentum to kick open that glass. And man, I, I agree with you. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Did you get? A Gwen Stacy falling down an elevator shaft from Amazing Pretty Spider-Man totally, 2. Totally, totally. close. I thought they were going down that path 100%. <laughs> I was like, Liz Allen is going to be the Gwen Stacy, oh. or Liz Allen. Liz Toombs is going to be the Gwen Stacy of this universe. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty close. I, I, I knew they weren't going to do it because they just came off the back end of it, but it, it, it couldn't help but go through my mind. It's like, yeah. whoa, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that Amazing Spider-Man 2 didn't do a lot of things right. I feel like that scene, though, they did right. Yeah. Top notch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was like the only good scene. Well, not the only, but it was one of the only good scenes. Yeah, and I thought, it. you know, totally they could do this again. And it felt like with the shaft and everything, it was almost identical. I, I wouldn't have blinked an eye if they had done that. Yeah. Because eventually we find out that, like, and that's another huge reveal that I never saw coming, was the reveal that it's Adrian Toomes is her father. Right. But that could yeah. have been another motivation point for his hate for spider-man oh, is that he caused the death yeah. of his daughter that would have been something that yeah, yeah. but th- i think they're taking the character more like a pal of spider-man now yeah they, i don't know what they're gonna do with him down the road but that would have sent him off into like i'm now evil and i want to kill peter parker this this yeah. isn't really still about that yet yeah um we do get a little bit of that intimidation later on but if she had actually died here we would have a slightly different movie i think and the motivation of the villain would have severely shifted from being like, I want to support my family, I'm kind of evil now, to being a, a completely vengeful person on Spider-Man in particular. That end credit scene wouldn't have made any sense either right. if she yeah. had died as well. Yes. Yeah. So after this, this whole sequence here, we return to New York. And this, again, I kind of forgot about this scene as we were talking through that last scene. <laughs> but we also get the Staten Island Ferry scene here, which maybe we could consider outside of... The, the truck heist this middle sequence as far as action goes mm-hmm. because this is probably the biggest action set piece i know we got the plane and all that but this one seems to have the most consequences for spider-man himself we've got him 
pursuing the shocker and what turns or not maybe so much just yeah the shocker and what turns out to be eventually the scorpion yep, and another right. deal on the staten island ferry yeah, and this yep. is something that he's gotten from aaron davis after visiting him at the car where he gets the reveal that his nephew is kind of kicking around yeah, here and all that. miles miles brilliant yeah. and we do have the vulture showing up here with the chachari weapon and cutting this boat in half now we've all seen this scene maybe this is why it kind of escaped my mind is because yeah. we've seen this numerous times in the trailers we've seen this scene all over the posters so this is something that we knew was coming we knew iron man was going to be in the scene at some point and we knew kind of the consequence of this we've seen this this whole sequence more or less in the trailers and so that's why this scene in particular didn't have as much impact for me because i felt like i had already seen it and it is a big impactful moment because this is when iron man removes the suit from spider-man after coming and saving the boat it's a really cool sequence with him web slinging back and forth and trying to hold the boat together it's a lot of fun. You get a lot of the reminiscent of him holding the train. Yes. In amazing, right. or no, in Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. 2. Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I felt a lot of that. But Iron Man coming here, this is the only time we really get Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit, even knowing he was coming. But how did you feel about him and his presence at this point in the film? Was it the right time to bring in Tony Stark, to bring in Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, this, this was perfect. This was really cool. Again, going back to Spider-Man, they get what they're doing. Marvel Cinematic Universe knows this character. Um, because, you know, Spider-Man's coming off of his success with DC, even though he, he caused the problem, but he's feeling pretty high on himself that he, you know, just saved all these students. And and even back at Midtown High, if, it, if that's even called that in this movie, but in his high school, they're celebrating Spider-Man. So he's yeah. kind of feeling on himself, like, hey, I can do anything. And he goes up there and he tries to tackle on uh, the Vulture or, or Shocker at that point, even though Tony's even about to congratulate him now because Tony's happy for Spidey and, and he, he blows it. Yeah. He screws up big time here. And like Sanjay said, the fact that nobody died here is, is unbelievable. I mean, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. nobody died, obviously. But it's great. I, I really do like this scene, especially you know, when Spidey you know, webs up the whole boat. Yeah. Almost brings it together, but I think he's 98% off yeah. or almost complete. And then Tony comes and shows up and says, well, I'm Iron Man. I can do this. And um, it, it's a great scene. It's really that father-son kind of relationship. And it's really Tony kind of dealing with uh, his his past father experiences as well. right? And trying to do right by Peter. So it's, it's, it's a great scene for me. Even though we were spoiled a little bit in the trailer, I really do like what they did in this scene. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Like the trailer, I think, gave away far too much, and I think we all agree on that. Yeah. Um, no, the scene was pr- really good though. It was kind of heartbreaking because you're like you're cheering for Spider-Man to do well, and that's Spider-Man, right? Like yeah. you think he's gonna turn the corner, and then something happens, and it gets even worse. Yeah. And yeah, you, you're you're right, Troy. Like they nailed it. They know this character. Yeah. Yeah. I, this this need to happen at this point. Yeah. Like we need to have a big issue with responsibility here he's yes. got this confidence built up after dc yep. and he's coming into something bigger he's trying to fill the avengers shoe here and he just doesn't quite get there no. we no. don't need a peter parker like we said numerous times throughout this that can do anything this yep. is a fantastic scene mm-hmm. for developing the character of spider-man and peter parker yes yes I, I speaking of cheering i do like the one guy that's like yeah spider-man <laughs> and then he screws up and then iron man's yeah Iron yeah Man. that's hilarious <laughs> i love that what did you guys think of Scorpion? Because uh, I don't really know too much about Scorpion, but my understanding was he was kind of like a reluctant villain. Like I, in the cartoon, J. Jonah Jameson pays Matt Gargan to like get these tests done and then he gets the Scorpion suit. Right. But in this one, he's like a full-on villain. Like he's, you know, he's going out and, you know, he's trying to get these weapons and he's trying to like cause mayhem is that more comic accurate or what no what you mentioned was more comic accurate actually but but this works for me too i don't feel like especially because we don't have jay jonah even established in this universe yet so i felt like it was right to just kind of have him be like a thug and then eventually gets caught up in this this mess here and and 
he's probably going to become the Scorpion eventually yeah. anyways. So I, I like how they handled it. And they just sprinkled it in. It didn't feel too much like, oh, here's... Um, how they do an amazing Spider-Man. Here's here's Electro. Yeah. Here's Green Goblin. And here's well, they're all in the basement. Oscorp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're just pushing it. This just felt organic again. Yeah. yeah. Well, the nice thing about all these villains here, they or a lot of them seem like these down on their luck type guys. You right. look at Aaron Davis. You look at the like Scorpion here. You don't really get that they're super villains. Yeah. Like, they're about trying to make a buck in a world that doesn't really allow yes. the small guy, the poor guy, to get a leg up. You've got guys like Tony Stark living in literally a giant tower in New York, yeah. and you've got all these people that are suffering. This is our main villain. This is the villains that he is preying on. These guys like, that he is selling these weapons to, he's literally preying on thugs, yeah. selling these weapons to people that want to do bigger things right. that physically or financially can't. Mm -hmm. So I like how they're bringing in these guys. Is not so much these intelligent or or even these big guys with a big vengeance against tony stark right. it's just thugs these guys these bad dudes that just want to make a buck yeah and this is the only way they can do it this is the next phase in the evolution of let's say city warfare yeah yeah it's a lot more relatable yeah because these guys all have stakes Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not just yeah, it's not just this this like Electro. He just kind of was like down his luck, <laughs> yeah. kind of bullied as an adult, and falls right. into a tank full of eels. Like yeah. we don't need a big origin for these guys. We're yeah. eventually going to get to a point where the technology, I think, for Scorpion is going to be what enhances him. It's not going to be he gets bit by something. I know it doesn't happen in the comic books, right. but yeah. he kind of eventually wears this scorpion looking thing. Exactly. And all that. But yeah. it's yeah. going to be something a bit more realistic. But it's a technology that's going to get him there. Right. So I like these small time villains that they've kind of thrown at the end. That's right. That's right. And this movie, I guess, in a way, already did introduce one Venom, uh, one Venom already because Matt Gargan obviously becomes uh, yep. Venom. Yeah. Right? So. Oh, and doesn't Flash Thompson too? And so does Flash. Yeah. yeah. Two so we got two Venoms in this yeah, movie. There you go. Yeah. They're building it. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once the suit is removed from Peter Parker by Tony Stark, I really actually like the line is. What is it exactly? I really like it, but I can't remember it. If, uh, if you need the suit, then you. If don't. you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it at all. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, just have movements, so he just yeah. does it all. And they really avoided that with. Great power. With, yeah, responsibility. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That slipped my mind, too. <laughs> I, I like that they avoided it. They didn't yeah. need Tony Stark spinning that off. We, we kind of speculated maybe he was going to go down that path yeah. or not, and that's something that we don't really feel that Tony is able to actually say that wouldn't feel right coming no. from him. Yeah, exactly. Right? Look at what he's caused in the past. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I like how they did this. this. This kind of walked that fine line between that big line that we get from the Spider-Man universe into something that feels a bit more believable with Tony Stark. Yes. And then we return to high school and the dance and homecoming and all that. We actually get the mention of homecoming here, which I think is much more of a, of a broader title for this movie for the return to the MCU. Right. We actually get the acknowledgement here and we get... Peter Parker inviting Liz to the dance. This here was probably the scene that I was most shocked at in this movie. I had no idea that Adrian Toomes, that Michael Keaton was gonna open that door. I was absolutely floored. And that is very, very rare in the world we live in right now as far as spoilers go. Yeah. I That completely flew over my head. Absolutely, I'm surprised I didn't spoil it to be honest with you. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, us doing the nerd room here, we kind of try and stay away from spoilers, but at the same time, we try and keep up and up to beat with all that's going on in this comic book world and, and Star Wars. And for the longest time, the biggest rumor, and I thought I was spoiled, was that um, Zendaya, Mike, uh, Michelle, was actually the daughter of Adrian Toomes. So going into this movie, oh. I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I've already been spoiled. So just waiting for that reveal. And then this happens, and I was like, sweet, I dodged the bullet. Just, I didn't see this coming at all. <laughs> no. So I, I love, love what they did there. Yeah. That's great. Uh, what do you think about Michael Keaton or Adrian? 
Adrian Toomes there putting together in the car ride who Peter Parker is? Did that seem like he made a leap? Or at least from my perspective, do you think that was like a logical step that they went through there? Love that. I, I, I think that made a lot of sense as as Liz is blabbing about like, ah, oh, yeah. you're, you're gone for like half the party. And then yeah. the, 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 the direction and the editing of, of how they had it, the, the camera on uh, Adrian Toomes and he's like, wait a second. And he's yeah. adding everything up and he's, he's a pretty smart guy. He's street smart too, right? So he put it all together and I loved it. And, and again, this was kind of like a little bit of a nod to the Sony Sam Raimi Spider-Man 1 when um, mm-hmm. Peter gets clipped by the bicycle and they have that Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And Norman Osborn's like, he said that was a bicycle clip and he's putting it together. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, son of a bitch, that's Spider-Man. So yeah. again, I, I like what they did here. Really yeah. like that scene. And how great was uh, the talk that his uh, oh, yeah. Tombs gives Peter. And it's, uh, you know, he's still a dad, right? So exactly. he's like, you know, have fun, but, you know, not too much fun. And he's or, holding right? a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think as, you know, as dads, you know, all three of us, you can't get away from that no matter what. Even nope. if you're a super villain. I can't wait to get my gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wrote down the whole line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the way he delivers that line, too, the way he's smiling there is yeah. that he's, he's putting on a little bit of show for his daughter who's standing still watching. Yeah. And you've got him talking seriously to his now main adversary. Yeah. Yes. I love how Michael Keaton delivers this. It makes that line and all of that feel much more believable. Yes. Like you get that tension in the car. Both him and Tom Holland are fantastic in this scene. That oh. whole car ride you could feel the tension in the theater you're like oh my god like what's gonna happen here it's, yeah. it, it's brilliant and again it's classic spider-man it's no different than spider-man being best friends with his arch nemesis's son yeah. you know it's, it's it's classic and again i love what they did here yeah, yeah. and speaking of classic spider-man it was so classic you know spider-man always puts you know the wants and the needs of the others above the wants and the needs of peter parker exactly. and how heartbreaking was it for him to go into the dance and then tell uh liz sorry you deserve better than this and then leave to be Spider-Man. Like that Spider-Man to me is, you know, Peter Parker getting screwed because Spider-Man has to save the day. Always. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's one of the main reasons for secret identities. It creates that conflict and Peter Parker still has that. And I love that scene. That was probably one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie was just that recognition that, you know, Peter is such a good guy that, you know, no, it'd be it'd be easy for him to be like, well, I'll deal with this tomorrow. I'm gonna go have the dance today. Right? Yeah, you I know, got something else in my mind here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that's what's so good about this film is because as much as I love this MCU, we've been missing the secret identity factor. We haven't yeah. had it since Iron Man one for about. 70% of the film. Yeah. So it's great that we get to now have this with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really thought they're going to go down the path of he actually makes it to homecoming. I was like, are they going to, they've bucked so many cliches in these movies while adhering to so many cliches within the movie that I thought he was actually going to go through the dance and he's actually going to have that first dance or whatever. Right. But the fact that he, he ends up spinning out of here, he gets his homemade costume out from underneath of the lockers that Love he has. That. It, he dons that. It's really great that we get to revisit that costume. We got a little bit of a, a notional look at it in Civil War. Right. But mm-hmm. having it here, it's cool because this is an origin movie as you know, it could be called without the origin. Yeah. But it's cool that we get to revisit the old suits. The same way we went back to it in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, yeah. is we get to revisit that suit. Yeah. And I think it's great that we get the origin suit in this movie. Further on, it doesn't make sense. But going back to it here, I absolutely love it to see him actually fighting in 
what we would have seen in a true origin movie, but yes. we actually get this in the final action sequence of this this huge movie that we have. Yeah, I, I love the fact that he threw on that homemade costume too. It reminds me of like some of the comics down the road, um, not down the road, but just in the past actually with like Iron Man, you know, when his, his high-tech suits get disabled, but his, his first suit still works yeah. <laughs> and he's like having to throw back on that old Iron, Iron Man armor, yeah. right? Especially when he's fighting Ultron. <laughs> yes, exactly. Did, didn't it look kind of like Ben Riley Spider-Man? Uh, Scarlet like, Spider. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's just reverse colors. So the blue... Where the red is should be blue, and where the blue is should be red. Yeah, of. I was like, I knew I'd seen this before. Yeah, yeah good eye. Oh, 90s. Yeah. yeah. And from this, we run directly into our final action sequence here. We have a, a kind of a warm-up here with the new Shocker. And I've beaten him up here, and we've got Ned, the man in the chair, finally getting in the chair <laughs> and acting as kind of the dueling computers yeah, here Oracle. for Peter Parker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this warm-up is fine. It's okay. We've seen this from the trailers. We knew this was coming. But the thing that really kicks off here and that I like the integration is we have Peter Parker understanding that Adrian Toomes now kind of closed off from getting his hands on some of the Chitauri stuff. But now he realizes that because he's been interacting with Happy Hogan a lot and that they're moving out of the Avengers Tower up to the New York that was established in Avengers Age of Ultron, that he's going after this last shipment coming out of Avengers Tower, which contains Cap's new shield or Protect yeah, shield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, all the Iron Man arc reactors, Thor's belts. Yeah. <laughs> that Cap reference threw me off a bit. I was a bit confused in that because throughout this movie, when we're talking about timelines and all that, another tangent here, <laughs> I, I never fully got the impression that the end of Civil War, they were that far apart. It felt like they were still kind of buddies right. to some degree in here. And so I never, I never felt the full impact of what happened at the end of Civil War in this movie. It felt like there was some tension, but not really. Right. So I, they just, for me, it didn't play as well as if I could criticize this a little bit. Oh, okay. It yeah. didn't play as well as as having this big separation in the event. Like it's dissembled. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyways, back to the, the movie here. <laughs> Peter Parker realizes that he's going after this, so he chases up this plane, and we have this massive fight sequence on this plane. We've seen a bit of this in the trailers, but overall, what did you think of this final battle between the Vulture and Peter Parker up in the sky here? This is very different for Peter Parker. We're not web-slinging along buildings here. We're actually fighting up on a humongous plane. You know, it started off really well. I really liked, you know, he's in the plane. He's kind of scared. You know, he's not like, he's not in his element. He's battling with the Vulture. The Vulture can fly. I like that. Um... And then, you know, he steers the plane away. That was really cool. But I just feel like it just, like, kind of ends. Like, I'm just, like, waiting for something bigger. And, you know, this has to be, like, the big end battle. And then he just, like, it crashes. And then the vulture tries to escape. And then he blows up. And I'm like, that's how you defeat the vulture? Is he just blew up on his own accord? Like, it was kind of cool that he was still trying to, like, save the vulture. Where he's like, no, I'm trying to save you, you idiot. And then, and then, but he just, like, blows up. And then... That's it. I'm like, I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think? Well, this whole sequence worked for me, um, especially going back to... I skipped over that. <laughs> yeah, going back to the Alpha Comics uh, episodes, uh, we're, we're talking about what we'd like to see going further in the film or even in this film. And a big thing that I liked was issue 33 of Spider-Man. Um, I think it's called If This May Be My Destiny. It's classic when Spider-Man's lifting up that whole uh, laboratory that's going underwater. 
And they captured that. They yeah. did it in this film, and they they killed it. He looks in the reflection of himself, and he sees the half Spider-Man, half yes. Peter. Oh yeah, that is huge. And the fact that you you now get this kid, and like the training wheels are gone, like no one's gonna save him, and he's screaming. It's kind of terrifying. You feel bad for the guy. Oh, that was about to die, that right? was a terrifying scene. That was yeah. Damon kills it there. He killed it because yeah. I'm like, it. oh my god, like I'm feeling that like right. claustrophobia yeah, in the sure. theater. I'm like, holy crap, he's got yeah. this building on him. He can't get it off. Like no one's coming. Coming. No one's yeah. coming. You feel for him, and, and he gathers that strength, like in the comics, and he lifts this whole thing up. And that was an awesome. I, scene. I, I love that. That's one of my probably number two favorite scenes in this film. So I'm glad they did that. And again, uh, going back to the last episode that we talked about, why Vulture works for Spider-Man in this film is because we get some really cool visuals going on, and this 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 scene does it, where we see Spider-Man go way up above, and he's taking on the Vulture. So that was cool, and I, I, I like the end. It wasn't the best, but I do like the fact that we got the you know friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He captured yeah. him. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and at the end of the day he was still trying to do right he's still trying to save this guy he wasn't trying to hurt anybody he just wanted to do right mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah, I agree with you guys and, and kind of reiterate what I said before I was waiting for something bigger mm -hmm. I think the problem actually is it was that trailer I was waiting right. for an Iron Man Spider-Man team up I thought oh. there was going to be another fight yes and yeah. so when this happened and he kind of crashed and this ended I was I'm thinking to myself I feel like there's something else to come here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they've thrown that in, whether that's a cutscene or whether that was just for the trailer. That's what screwed me up. Right. I see what you're saying. It was, I was yeah. waiting for another bigger set piece that had to have Iron Man joining up with Spider-Man to take on whether it was a bigger vulture or something to that effect. And so right. when that all happened, this kind of came to a close. I was felt not so much that it, it didn't work, but yeah. I just was waiting for a bit more. Right. It didn't take away from anything in the movie from me, but... I, I just kind of was felt like, oh, okay, I guess we're done now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I liked it too because um, I feel like these days in these superhero films, they're, they're so big. I liked Wonder Woman, but yeah. the end sequence was just so huge. Mm -hmm. uh, BVS, it was so huge. Deadpool and Captain America Civil War, they ended the film in just such a smaller, intimate uh, setting. It, it just, it just works for you so much better on a smaller scale. And I feel like Spider-Man did the same thing. So that's why I, I kind of like the end of those last three films. Yeah, yeah I think I'm in the minority, but I really like those like giant CGI battles at the end. Uh, <laughs> I don't sometimes. Know. Sometimes they work. Like, they, it's yeah. got to be epic, like Man of Steel, like Superman vs. Zod. That, that was epic, you know? Because there's stakes, though, too, and it's showing yeah. what was going on with those the civilians. Are, that worked for me, that one. Those are also gods battling each other. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This is Spider-Man and Vulture. This isn't yeah. meant to be yeah. world-level threat. We need Iron Man, Thor, and Captain exactly. America. <laughs> this is meant to be something that's somewhat self-contained fair yeah. enough yeah that's true that's a good point and it needs to be it's kind of like the size of the first iron man battle with ironmonger right yeah. it's yeah. very self-contained it's relatively quick it kind of happens and then the movie sort of ends right mm -hmm. yes. so but as we get to the end of this movie we've got peter parker redeeming himself somewhat here with the vulture and with everything that's gone on here and he joins tony stark up at upstate new york at the avengers facility here I love the inclusion of this when they kind of flew over and they gave the big scaled back look. This is the first time we're seeing the scale of this this set here of the new Avengers mansion, what do you want to call it, yeah. Avengers base or whatever. Right. So they're out of New York, they're in upstate, so this is great. This is setting up Infinity War, what we got coming down the pipe here. And Tony Stark actually invites him to join the Avengers. He sets him up a room next to Vision. He gives him a new suit, which is the Iron Spider yeah. suit. So Really cool. nice to see. How did you feel about him declining the offer 
and not actually becoming an Avenger, going into Infinity War and not donning the iron spider suit. Love this. Again, I think I nudged Sanjay and I, I nudged my yeah. wife because I was like, yes, again, they get Spider-Man. Spider-Man would not accept this offer. He's just not ready for it. That costume is just a little too outrageous right now because it's kind of a mashup of the Iron Spider-Man yeah. and the all new, all different right now. And I was kind of scared for a second. I thought he's going to take up that costume because I don't really like it. And the fact that he uh, declined their offer just shows that, you know, that's Spider-Man. He's, he's, he's street level. And all throughout the 90s, the Avengers offered Spider-Man a couple times, join us, join us. And he's like, I'll kind of be like a reserved member. And he didn't really join until the Bendis run, yeah. I think, right? So that's cool. I hope they save it for like a new Avengers, maybe going into phase four or five. And, yeah. You know? So yeah, this is a big moment. And um, it's kind of mirrored Iron Man 1. You know, because Iron Man 1, obviously, at the end, Tony Stark gives up the goods and tells everybody, hey, I'm Iron Man. So the fact that he had that set up for Spider-Man is kind of like a play on the Civil War book. With Very Spider-Man much so. Up, hey, yeah, everyone, yeah. I'm Spider-Man. So I I'm totally glad, got like, that vibe. I'm not going to do that. When I saw what was going on there, all I could see was that, that comic book panel of Tony Stark standing there with an unmasked Peter Parker. Yes. Yeah. That's all I got from that. Yeah. I'm, I agree with you. I'm so happy they didn't go down that yes, path. Yes, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I agree. agree. That suit looked funny. I like yeah. the nod, being yeah. like, okay, yeah, cool. It's the Iron Spider suit. Yeah. I love, yeah, that he didn't don it. He didn't get into it. It wasn't something that he wanted to do. But yes. then he does get the original suit back at the end. That's key. Yeah. That's key. And you mentioned, too, that maybe they're saving that suit for Infinity War. Yeah, because we yeah. looked at the Infinity War sets and he's always got the black, he's definitely got the black kind of CGI suit on mm-hmm. that he's wearing, but he doesn't, he's always in a coat. Right. So I have a feeling they're doing something, whether it's a black suit or maybe the Iron Spider suit or a Space Spider suit, I don't yeah. know, something okay. to that effect. We'll see. Um, and in this scene too, we get a nice little cameo here with Pepper Potts. Very unexpected, Didn't especially you know. coming off the back end of Civil War. They're clearly going out and getting some sort of separation or divorce. And yeah. here he's popping the question. Fantastic way. I think this was a nice way for Marvel to, to say, look, I know we kind of screwed up here a bit with Pepper Potts and with Paltrow didn't sign on, so we kind of wrote her off. But this is a character that people like. Their chemistry is great in Iron Man 1. Why not do this? So this is a great nod to say, look, the the first couple of the MCU, they're back together. Yes. They're getting engaged. Happy Hogan flips in the yeah. ring. Absolutely fantastic <laughs> way to end the film. And how funny is that? Because I think in the comics, Happy Hogan actually proposes to Pepper. Right? Yeah. They're, they're I, actually the love interest. You know what? Right? When, really? Yeah. 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 I, that was a definitely nod because I thought <laughs> right. I was like, oh my God, Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts are together. Right. That's the best exactly. thing That would have been awesome. Yeah. 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 Tony get his love stolen from him? Yeah. Well, right. if he would have been just like, yeah, this is cool. I'm, I'm down with this. We aren't really a thing anymore. Yeah. And Happy Hogan's like, oh my God, this yeah. is why I really wanted Tony Stark's friendship and all this. Yeah. Throughout this whole movie, he's trying to impress him. I thought, I was like, holy, they're going their way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool and the last scene of the movie we actually get Aunt May who we did not talk about really once here and Marissa Tomei who's Marissa she's Tomei she's, yeah, yeah she's yeah. great in this film but she finds out who Peter Parker is yeah <laughs> and how it ends here what the f- yeah <laughs> so great perfect yeah it teeters on the ledge PG movie of course and Kevin yeah. Feige's came out and said in the past we're never gonna drop an F-bomb and they get this close in that yeah. film yeah fantastic <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a callback to the Ultimate Universe, right? Because yeah. that Aunt May there discovers who Peter, per- yeah. Peter oh, Parker okay. is. Yeah. I was going to say, like, does she in the comics? Because I didn't think she did. She did the 616 pre-Civil War. That's why she died. But then they rewrote that. Yeah. They retconned the whole thing. And now she has no idea who Peter is. Yeah. Uh, and as we always get with MCU movies, we got a mid and a post-credit scene here. The first one here sets up an incarcerated Scorpion as well as Adrian Toomes. It's nice to see that Adrian Toomes survives. It's a villain that's going to be at least present throughout somewhat of this franchise. Mm-hmm. Did you think that they're setting up somewhat of a Sinister Sixer? Did you get that vibe off of this scene? Totally. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I absolutely did. I'm like, okay, this is this is the way to do it. This yeah. is exactly how you do the Sinister Six. Set them set them up like this and set them up with the small guys. Don't introduce us to Norman Osborn yet. Don't yeah. show us yeah. um Doc Ock. Doc Ock. Yeah. yeah. Don't show don't show us any of those guys. Just show us the small time guys right now. Kind of do the Avengers in reverse. Yeah. But with the villains. Yeah. So it's yeah. gonna be interesting where they take this down the road because I can really see in a Spider-Man three or say an Avengers five or something like that right. that the Sinister Six become the villains for those movies. Right. I mean, we scale back the whole Avengers thing; it's no longer cosmic, but we get somewhat of a bigger threat that involves multiple villains teaming up here. This could be a great way to go into Phase Four with Spider-Man leading the way. For sure, for sure. I mean, if Norman Osborn put these guys all together, yeah. Well, <laughs> well they all get their stuff from Oscorp, don't you know? That better not happen. <laughs> better not happen. <laughs> but, but especially if you have Osborne, Oscorp, he can go toe-to-toe with Tony Stark on a money level. Yeah. Right? yeah. Big-time competitor. Well, you, could, you could very much have that where Tony Stark is funding the Avengers. He's no longer Iron Man. Someone else is doing Ironheart or whomever. And you've got Osborne on the other side funding the Sinister Six. It's a great way to go at this universe. Right, right. And having Norman Osborne be the new big bad, the funding guy or whatever. Yes. And eventually maybe he evolves into the Goblin or something right. to that effect. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it, there's a lot of direction they could go. And Spider-Man carrying the weight here, you're going to focus in on his rogues gallery and what they can build to Avengers-level threat through that, I think. That's right. Because they said going forth, uh, Phase 4, he's going to be a big focal point. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And the last thing we get here is probably one of the best, I think, is we get another <laughs> Captain America public service announcement, and it's really breaking the fourth wall of it here. He's talking about patience and it not paying off. This got my crowd absolutely howling. Yeah. Love this. People, you know, sometimes really want something that means something, maybe for Infinity War or something coming later on. But I think this is a great way to end off this perfectly executed film. It's just having Captain America show up and be like, look, guys, patience doesn't pay off. This, I loved it. It was so damn funny. It was great. I think I think we had a pretty good crowd actually when we yeah. saw the movie, and everybody was up and laughing. Sanjay and I and my wife actually tried starting applause. I don't think it really took off. <laughs> the anywhere. slow clap didn't work. No, didn't work. But uh, hey, what can you do? It was a great film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was hilarious. But I'm one of those people that would have preferred maybe an Infinity War trailer for sure. Yeah. But it was hilarious. We're going to get that in a couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm impatient, Tim, okay? (laughs) You would prefer something dark and everyone dying. You know, maybe if he he drank pee or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. This is one of our longest reviews today. So let's wrap this thing up. Do you guys recommend Spider-Man Homecoming? No. (laughs) I recommend... Yes, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I totally recommend this. Um... This is going to get some debate. It's my number two favorite Spider-Man film of all time. Only below Spider-Man 2. But yeah, it's a great film. Check it out. Yeah, I love this film. I give this film like 10 Spider-Man web shooters out of 10. Go out there and see this. This is my most anticipated film of the year. And it's there right now. So Last Jedi has has some work. But I'm sure it's going to be fine. That movie yeah. too. It, is it your favorite Spider-Man film? It's easily my favorite wow. Spider-Man movie, hands down. This is my favorite MCU movie. This is just one of my... This went up there with like my top five movies of all time. This is great. I've seen it twice already. I'm going to see it like probably two more times. Uh, I thank like Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige and the MCU and Sony and Tom Holland and, and John Watts because they, they really had a hand on this character and they, they just did such a great job and I can't thank them enough. And I'm so happy with the turnout of this film. Yep. 
high praise from the Spider-Man fan. That, that yeah. is, it's a big deal. Big like, time, for sure. Yeah. And I agree with you there. This is my favorite Spider-Man film. Not only because it's integrated in the MCU, but because I think it's generally one of the best movies, one of the best comic book movies put to screen. Right. This is a very different movie than Winter Soldier, than Civil War, than mm-hmm. the Avengers even. So it's hard for me to compare on that level, but this ranks up there with Guardians of the Galaxy for me. That was a different type of movie that you can't rank against those movies to a degree. Yeah. So that's, this sits up amongst the best within probably my top five. This was something I was not expecting to be this fun and to have this much stakes for the universe. I was so surprised coming out of this theater. I literally grinned from ear to ear for this <laughs> whole film. I laughed. I was engaged. I loved the characters. Everything about this film exceeded my expectations by far. Right. And I think this movie deserves all the praise that it's getting. Like you said, Tom Holland, John Watts, the yeah. whole crew at Marvel, Sony, whomever put this together. Michael Keaton, the villain yes. was great here. Yes. We stepped in a good direction with the development of a villain in an MCU film. So I'm happy about that. I can't wait to see more Spider-Man. July 2019 cannot come great. soon enough. I want to see more of this cast and crew. Yeah, right there with you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that about wraps it up for our Spider-Man Homecoming review. If you're new to the podcast or if you're interested, we've started up the nerdroom.net. That's our website that we are doing articles on. You're going to see a lot of stuff from the podcast on there as well. And we're actually doing a Spider-Man giveaway. We opened this up last week. This is a two-week giveaway. You can go onto the website and onto our Twitter account at the NerdRM and see what we're giving away there. And it's appropriate time to be doing that, the back end of our Spider-Man Homecoming review. So next week on the podcast, we're going to be revealing who won that prize. We've got some entries already. I so hope you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> so all you have to do is go to the website, go to the About Us and Contact Us sheet. Fill it in with your name, your email address, and put in the subject title Spider-Man Homecoming and click Submit, and you'll be entered into the draw for that Spider-Man prize pack. Going forward, we've got San Diego Comic-Con and D23 coming down the pipe here. Sanjay (laughs) is heading down to San Diego next week. Yeah, I'll be there on Monday, and so I'll miss next week's episode. But uh, I'll be bringing you all the latest news and information from San Diego. Only there on the Thursday, but... uh, it's going to be a hell of a day. Baby steps. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Next year, I'm planning to go the whole weekend. Yes. So tune in for all the coverage of D23 and San Diego Comic-Con in the coming weeks. Straight here from the Nerd Room. Check out our website. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can always grab us on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. You can comment on our Facebook or our YouTube pages. And now you can get a hold of us on our website. You can submit comments through there through the Contact Us page. All right, guys. Well, this is another MCU retrospective series in the bag this was one of the best movies of the year i'm looking forward to what we got coming down here as far as movies we've got war for the planet of the apes dunkirk and we've got the last jedi coming here in december it's already been a big year for comic book movies potentially one of the best oh it has to be the best already yeah kingsman that trailer yes. be on the lookout yeah, yeah. More looking good coming your way looking good yeah. all right guys until next week for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy and i'm sanjay and thank you for entering the nerd room This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.